Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games of Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, this is episode 57, and I must initially apologise, because uh, I think at the end of the last episode, or, or certainly at some point during episode 56, I promised uh, that it'd probably be a, a podcast in between um, uh, the City of Kings episode and this one, um, but sadly I just haven't got round to doing that, and uh, life got in the way, I'm afraid, but... We return to you now at the turn of the tide uh, because we've got another big tournament to talk about. We've got lots of bits and bobs to talk about in this episode, uh, particularly around the uh, release of the Defence of the North, um, because we're going off to the uh, 7th City Collectibles Grand Prix. Um, Now, this is an interesting uh, tournament. Uh, This is designed specifically to be the most competitive tournament it could possibly be. Uh, In fact, World Champion Tournament Organiser, who we'll be speaking to later on in the podcast, um, is is basically setting out to make this um, as as competitive as you can be. So he's even offering cash prizes, um, and there's there's a special sort of pod system uh, for the tournament. So you kind of you do as well as you can on day one, and then you enter into a knockout tournament for day two for the top um, uh, to, for the top prize essentially. And um, the the other people play off in different pods. So it, it's all very it's all very cool actually. Uh, it's an interesting concept. Uh, it's not part of the Great British Hobbit League, uh, but I suppose it's an down the road it's offering cash it's a chance to play uh, seven games of toy soldiers um at a, a you know a venue i, I know and like and with uh, an organizer who i know uh, runs a, a solid tournament so i just couldn't resist the opportunity especially because of the new toys on offer um I won't go into great detail about all of the defense of the north because i'll leave that to other more experienced players to delve into uh, i know uh, the uh, unexpected podcast have been putting out uh, content on that and i know lots of other content creators are starting to talk about um the defense of the north the legions and things like that and i'm sure there will be more um more discussion about the uh, the various uh, merits of each each legion as the uh, as the sort of uh, play testing i suppose uh, rolls through but uh, i will be touching on a little bit about one legion in particular let's build an army So, of course, uh, it's probably no surprise to you at all. I'm talking about the Easterling Legion. This is the uh, Dragon Emperor's Legion or the Legion of the North. I don't even have it written down. I can't remember um, what it's called. Uh, I think it's the Emperor's Legion. Anyway, um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, this and particularly about the Dragon Emperor himself because... I uh, have obviously gone hard into Easterlings um, for this tournament. I, I love uh, the Easterlings. I've been building up the, the sort of quality of the Easterling. I've been aiming for uh, that positive win-loss ratio uh, throughout the whole uh, time I've been playing them since, I think, probably just before Ardicon last year. Um, I've been building up a lovely army. I painted it during lockdown. I've got loads of Eastling models I'm really proud of, and now they're releasing super cool heroes, super cool models. Um, it's amazing. So I, I could not wait for the Defence of the North, and and in fact, um, I, I just went hard into building the Dragon Emperor straight away, despite having another army on the back burner. Um, I've got this Dragon Emperor model, uh, and it's just it's just fantastic. Um, I, I, I was going to do a sort of painting tutorial or something like that, but when I saw the number of pieces involved in this model, I was like, this is going to be an absolute nightmare to both build, um, assemble, and paint. So I just went straight into doing it myself without having a camera in the way. Um, and it is... <laughs> just as fiddly as as you can imagine uh, the model is is glorious it must be said 
but it's fiddly as. Uh, I mean, I really, really hate assembling models as it is, and this one really takes the biscuit. I've never assembled anything quite so annoying as this, and uh, I think the Mummock War Leader came close, but uh, that was once that was just one particularly annoying bit where you glued the the bloke onto the howder. Um, this was just every single part was a pain, and I decided to build it um, in in separate parts and then sort of paint all the different um, bits. So I painted the palanquin, the six black dragons that carry it, and the emperor separately. So um, the, there was a lot of extra fiddling just trying to assemble it once it was painted, of course, and trying to shield the uh, the paint job, which I was quite proud of, to be fair. So um, so yeah, I've gone hard into the dragon emperor and. Uh, therefore, I wanted to enjoy the the, the legion that, that it offers. So um, for this tournament, I've got 600 points uh, to spend. And um, if I'm honest, I found it really, really hard to work out how to build an army with this uh, new legion. So uh, if you haven't read it or you've forgotten, um, the basic gist is that the uh, this new legion has to have the Dragon Emperor, which is fine because the Dragon Emperor is cool. Uh, he's got a 12-inch banner. He's got the 6-inch buff to your fight value, so a plus 1 fight value. Uh, he has a battlefield-wide stand fast as long as you win the line of sight, which affects heroes as well. Uh, he has an elven-made weapon. He has uh, resistance to magic. He has 3 might, 3 will, 3 fate, 3 wounds. Uh, he has a palanquin with ridiculous rules um, that essentially, is, despite being on a massive base, um, he, he essentially has numerous attacks he has uh, three sort of normal attacks um, and then if he wins the combat all the black dragons get to sort of trample over or kick the the person so you get an extra six strikes in uh, once you've won the combat to, to do the woundage so he's got that and you know there's the resilience of the fact that he's got the defense of the thing and there's just so many there's so many things going on with him he's great and uh, in the legion um, anyone in his warband or Dragon Knight's warbands uh, get to have the Black Dragon upgrade for free. So that's a two-point upgrade for free. So um, you could potentially save 36 or thereabouts points in the uh, Dragon Emperor's warband and another, uh, another what is it, 12 uh, in the... Um, uh, in the, the the Dragon Knights warband, so there's a potential saving of just about 50 points or thereabouts. So you know, I mean, let's call it spade a spade. It's it's about it's, it's it's good. I mean, it's not an amazing upgrade. Um, it's it's decent. I, I'm and I'll go into why in a second. But I mean, and for example, in the uh, uh, the 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 Army of the Dead Legion and the other one with Aragorn, and you get a free Andril. You get fifty points for free. It's pretty much the same as that, so that's good. Um, and obviously, the fact that they're black dragons mean that they're fight four and therefore fight five near the Dragon Emperor, which is really cool. Um, the other bonuses in the Legion, they're fine. Uh, you get one re-roll uh, in combats um, with uh, with uh, any hero that's in combat, So, um, which is which I suppose is, is quite useful. Um, the Dragon Emperor has the big banner, and you get a re-roll on top of that. So you've got your three dice in the dual roll, plus two re-rolls, so he's doing all right. And the Dragon Knight, who has three attacks, um, plus a re-roll, uh, and maybe four on the charge, so he's got again two dice to reroll, which is really handy, I suppose. Um, but is it game breaking, game winning? I don't know. Um, and the rest of the um, the benefits of the Legion are just the normal Easterling um, army bonuses, which are good bonuses or can be very useful. So, so, um, so yeah, that's the Legion. And and because of this, I mean, I thought, well, I've got to try the Legion. I've just got to try it out. It's the Dragon Emperor Legion. And um, if I'm honest, I'm not convinced. And I'll explain why um, once I've gone through my actual army. 
So my army is as follows. Dragon Emperor, one of them, because uh, you can only have one. Uh, 170 points, uh, which is, I think, about the right price. And again, I'll explain a bit more about that in a bit. And I, I have with him a Cataphract with Wardrum, uh, who has uh, the Black Dragon upgrade for free. Uh, so that's 39 points. And then um, I have... Uh, I have about, I think it's 15 pikes, yeah, 15 pikes at uh, Black Dragon upgrade for free, and they include the shield, so that's 9 points each. So 9 points for a fight 4, courage 4 um, guy that's defense 6 with a pike. Pretty good. Uh, and then the rest are uh, just normal um, Black Dragons with shields. Um, and, uh, or oh, did I do that? Like, anyway, I've done, the, I've done the math slightly off there. Uh, essentially, I'll just get as, as many as I can. Uh, I've got 17 total Black Dragons, uh, most of them with Pike and uh, some with Shield. Then uh, we got a Dragon Knight um, with Horse uh, for 80 points, and he has uh, two Black Dragons with Shields and four with Pike. So uh, essentially, I'm getting all of the Black Dragon upgrades that I can possibly get in this army, so I am saving that maximum number of points that you can because I wanted to lean into uh, that bonus. I thought, let's give it a try, um, and let's try out this new Legion. Um, Brawgear is my final warband, and, and you may be noticing here the points. Um, so the first warband is 362 points. Uh, the next warband, which is the Dragon Knight, um, is uh, 128. Although, actually, that's not quite right, because I've juggled around with the, the pikes to and the um, shield guys to balance it out. But that's that's roughly right. So in, in total, in the first two warbands... You actually have 490 points uh, worth of stuff, which is an intriguing number. Um, it's because it's very close to 500, and you could obviously tweak with that and maybe potentially get it to exactly 500 by adding cataphracts or whatever. Anyway, um, and then the final warband is Brawgear, who's 80 points. He's the caster. Uh, he's got the, the Tremor and the Blade Wrath and the Fury and all that sort of stuff. And with him, I've got a tiny warband of two Acolytes and a Warrior with Bow for a total of 30 models and 600 points. Um, so, first of all, um, Elephant in the Room here, I've, I've got a really tiny warband for Brawgear, which is not good. I don't like this, and I tried all different combinations to try and make this work. I could probably have traded Brawgear out for Rotabi, uh, or near enough Rotabi. Uh, I think so. I'd, I've ha I'd have a hundred points to spare after the Dragon Knight, so not quite Rotabi. So I'd have to drop a model uh, or two, and then it'd be Rotabi on their own, and then they'd have less Black Dragons in other warbands. So it was all getting a bit sort of tight. And six hundred points, you know, it, you, you can't expect a lot, but. You know, I was glad to get Brawgear in there because, A, I think Brawgear is pretty cool. Uh, if he charges up the Dragon Emperor or the Dragon Knight, um, it can do some serious work uh, with the Blade Wrath or the Enchanted Blades. Uh, and also he has Fury, which is pretty handy, and Tremor, uh, which, you know, if, you, if there's nothing else, if you're playing against a relatively low defense army, for example, there's no... Um, you know, sort of no reason to do fury. There's no terror. Then you know, a couple of tremors, two or three tremors, maybe uh, can can you know kill some dudes. They can knock some people over. They can help, or, or they can you know chip some damage off a hero. So you know, Borge, good choice. I like him. He's solid. So thirty models, six hundred points. But as you can see, the maths is just not good here. Um, any any experienced army builder will know that that having a slight a, a really tiny warband. Uh, for Brawgear is bad 
um, because A, in Maelstrom, I can get picked off and bullied, and B, it probably just means that you're not getting the maximum value out of uh, that warband. Really, you want that warband to be full, which is 12 models, so that's another 8 or 9. Uh, so 9 models, yeah, uh, which means so 9 times 9 is 81. So we're looking at at least 650, maybe 700 points for this army, this kind of build for the um, the Emperor's Legion to actually be really good, I think. So that that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing, I did try and swap in a captain. So a captain is about, uh, I can't remember exactly, it's sort of 65 or thereabouts, uh, instead of the Dragon Knight or instead of Brawgear. And again, it was a similar situation. You'd have maybe slightly more models if I had him instead of Brawgear, but I wouldn't have the Fury uh, and I wouldn't have uh, some of the bonuses you get with that. Yes, he gets a, a, a charge bonus and he gets the, the extra dice to win combat, but he's only fight four. He can't get up to the fight five. So is he going to be as good um, as Brawgear's potential uh, Fury saves and the Enchanted Blades or the, the other, the other uh, benefits, the Enchanted Blade and stuff? I don't think so. So... It came down to, do I actually want to have a Dragon Knight? And I am denied. I really did an um and on this one. And if I'm honest, I, I thought the tournament was 800 points. So uh, I wrote a list with it for 800 points and I was a bit happy with that. Um, but in the end, I just couldn't... I, when when I looked at the, the things and had only a day to, to do this 600-point version... I, was, I, I just couldn't work out what, what to lean into here. And I just thought, well, I'll try out the full Black Dragons... And I'm still not convinced because in this army, um, basically the black the the dragon knight is such a potential magic target uh, or even bow target that that anyone with uh, any any kind of casting magic will be either immobilizing it or black darting it or uh, paralyzing it or whatever the the spells are that you've got in your arsenal and they're just going to be doing that and he's just essentially going to be dropping uh, out of the the army. Uh, within you know a couple of turns and really you kind of want enemy magic to be focused on the uh the dragon emperor because he has resistance to magic so he's more likely to shrug it off uh, and he's got three will as well so yeah i, I don't know i maybe at 600 i made a mistake here but as i said a few times i'm, I'm sounding really down on this obviously there's the this is really cool and i'll explain the ups of it later um but i i'm kind of i i just there's something about this legion that's making me build it in a way which I'm not happy with and I can't decide what the reason is there. Is it because I should have, for example, two Dragon Knights and um, instead of the brawl gear, for, for the same point, points cost, um, I can have two Dragon Knight warbands and instead of the two Dragon Cult Acolytes and the Warrior with a bow, um, I can have uh, about sort of three uh, or four Black Dragons. Um and maybe that's the way, and then I'd be able to get the same numbers, but I'd have two Dragon Knights, um, so the, the magic wouldn't be as much of a concern. I don't know. Maybe I'll try that in the future. Maybe I could get some more Cataphracts in that way, the Fight 5 Cataphracts, uh, or the Fight 4, and potentially Fight 5 if, if they're near the Dragon Emperor Cataphracts. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so that, that those are all the kind of the, the misgivings I have, and, I, and, and as I said, I, I took a while to... Um, to build this one, or I sort of rushed it, so therefore I, I just couldn't couldn't balance it out. The positives are, I've got um, twenty three black dragons in this list, plus a cataphract with drum, who is also a black dragon, who when they are within six inches of that massive dragon emperor base, which is bigger than an ent base, by the way. Uh, if you haven't come across it, it's just slightly bigger than a monster base. Um, 
you, you basically everyone is going to be within range of this fight fight five bubble um if you're fighting in a in a one or thereabout space that is solid i mean nine points for a pike and shield um guy who is fight four and most of the time fight five is an absolute steal i mean most elves uh i think a 10 or 11 um with i think it's yeah i think it's about 11 for a lothlorian or riffendel uh bloke with a with a defense six and a spear so and these guys can fight three ranks deep so this is this has got potential to really steamroller through everything like almost everything the only things that uh, it's not going to steam for, uh, roll through our, you know, half trolls maybe, or, you know, really, really high defense dwarves. And even then you're winning most of the fights anyway. So, uh, you 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 know, they're going to struggle to wound, but you've got three dice to, to look for a six and that's going to happen every other time, I guess. So you're going to slowly grind away. This army is so good at grinding away and um, so much better than it ever has been, um, before. And it was always pretty good before, you know, the fight four at the back and, uh, and the three dice and the fourth with a banner and, you know, and then you can put acolytes at the front, so uh, which I haven't done very many of. It's fair to say, but either way, there's there's some real solid potential here. I've still got the drum, so I've got the speed, so I can close that gap so quickly and choose the choose the location to fight in, or, or have certainly have a better chance for that. And I can march, uh, deny a flank, and I can march everyone from one side to the other, and and just focus in on one side. I can uh, leave the cataract at the back to run away to capture objectives later on in the game. There's so many, uh, so many cool tricks you can do with this army, and and then of course you've got a dra dragon emperor hinging, uh, it all hinging around him. So uh, and he's he's no slouch. Let's be honest. Um, so it, it's got lots of strong points. Uh, I've mentioned the down points with the dragon knight, but I mean he's a killer. If if he's not a mobilizer or anything, he's just into stuff and killing and churning through and and absolutely picking off tiny heroes like captains and all that sort of stuff and keeping his might. So yeah, he's great. The dragon emperor, of course. Um, He's, he's going to do some work if he's in combat with the right stuff. What I'm worried about here is that so much of the army hinges around the Dragon Emperor. And yes, he's Defense 7 and he has three wounds and three fate. But if he gets surrounded and trapped by Strength 4 models, he's in serious, serious trouble. Um, a, the, the, you, say if you get four guys who are Strength 4 onto the Dragon Emperor. And you whiff your dice or you lose or he's immobilized or whatever. And... Um, those four guys are turning eight dice in, getting sixes, or against the um, guys holding the palanquin, looking for fives. So that's eight dice looking for fives. You could lose your palanquin in one, one turn if you're not careful. So where do you put him? I've had a couple of practice games with him, and it's really difficult to know exactly where to place him, because on the one hand, you want him buffing everyone you want him his banner uh, to to be unaffected you don't want him to be too vulnerable to shots uh, bow fire so you don't necessarily want him on the front line but then on the other hand you don't want him to be surrounded and or sort of you know the flanks to kind of be uh, fall away or or for people to come around the backs and start trapping him and killing him or or for something to fly over the top and grab him and and trap him so do you want him in the front line vulnerable to stuff just churning through things uh, and potentially losing uh, combats here and there, or, or, or losing black dragons and slowing him down. Um, so yeah, there's lots of lots of different uh, potential worries, and and this is this is why I think that um, this initial sort of knee jerk reaction uh, to the Dragon Emperor on on, on social media uh, and the kind of forums and things like that has just been so so massively ridiculously uh, uh, over the top about how amazing he is, and I think maybe that'll settle down, but. I really don't think he's that good. Um, I think he's 
going to be really, really tricky to play with and to use. I've played two games with him so far before this tournament. Um, so not a lot of experience. And the first one was around 600 points. I can't remember exactly what it was. It might have been 650. And I played against the sort of uh, Heroes of the Thorins company. Uh, so Dwalin on a goat and Thorin on a goat and all the good ones. And I did do really well against them. Um, and in the second one, I played against Gilgalad, two Rivendell Knights and... Uh, Galadriel and some a load of elves so and I absolutely got thumped in that one so uh, mainly because Gilgalad and uh, and elves are pretty good against um, fight five and uh, fight nine is pretty good against the dragon emperor so um, am I am I convinced it's going to be amazing no am I convinced it's going to be better than the existing easterling force I'd have thought so but we'll have to wait and see to later on in the podcast because we'll be heading to the Grand Prix, heading to Seventh City Collectibles and finding out. But first... Riddles of the Dark. i precious. Yes, that's right. This is Riddles in the Dark. This is the part of the podcast where I play a clip from The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit movies and you have to guess who speaks next and what they say. In the last episode, I played this little clip. Hmm, so who speaks next and what do they say? I'll delve into the email inbox in uh, a few seconds, um, but I've had a last-minute entry. A last-minute entry from Sean Sproul. Um, Sean has gotten in touch uh, over Facebook. Uh, hi, Sean. Uh, I'm not actually physically responding to you on Facebook because uh, I know I'm going to reveal, uh, release the episode uh, in the next hour or two. So I'll, uh, I'll link you to it. <laughs> so it'll be a slightly weird circumstance for you. Um, he has asked me... Uh, he basically says, I think I've got your latest riddle in the dark. Happy face, happy face, happy face. Is it... X. Absolutely, you're right. Well done, Sean. You banged it into the back of the net in the first shot, so well done. Uh, let's go into the email inbox and start um, with an... Oh, gosh, this is a way, a way ago, so apologies for the delay on this one. Um, but this was sort of sent uh, in mid-May. Uh, Rowan Williams has sent in... Hi, Rowan. Uh, thanks very much for listening and getting in touch. It says, 56 episodes in, and I finally know the riddle in the dark without needing to think about it and researching clips to get the answer. Uh, it's this person who says to someone, something, something, something. And Rowan, you are bang on the money. Loving the podcast, keep it up. No doubt see you at a tournament soon. I'm sure I will. In fact, I think you might be coming this weekend. So, um, hello in advance, or hello... I suppose after the tournament, by the time you've heard this. Um, either way, thanks very much for getting in touch, Roman. You're in the inbox for a winner. Uh, Sam Hoodie has also been in touch. Hey, mate, I see the previous episode and suddenly realised that you've slipped not one, not two, but three episodes out without me noticing. Horrendous work. I'm sorry about that. Hopefully I can make it up, uh, make up for this by getting the riddle correct. I believe it's in this film when this person has been a very naughty little hobbit who can't keep his hands to himself and is put in a very long timeout by someone. They arrive at their destination and someone looks over to a city and says, something. Hopefully I didn't get that wrong after such a build-up. Also, hope you enjoy the spanking new Easterling goodies coming in the next few days. It's been long overdue. Uh, yeah, as, as you will have heard, Sam, already, uh, I'm very excited to use um, the Easterlings in, in sort of anger, as it were. Um, and you have got the uh, correct answer. Well done, Sam. Um, 
Worth noting, uh, you've only uh, listed the first two uh, words, but the reason for the answer is in the third and fourth. Um, let's carry on anyway. Uh, that will become more obvious in a few seconds. Hi, Harry. This is from Mr. Andrew Cuthbert, long-time listener and patron, but this is my first email. Gosh, Andrew, you're a patron and you've only just sent an email. Uh, let this be a lesson to all of you. Send in an email because I love reading them out. Thoroughly enjoying your content, uh, content, he says. I started MESBG in the golden age of battle games in Middle-earth back in 2003 and was part of a community forum called the Chamber of Smaug, now sadly defunct. Oh, I've never heard of it. Um, if anyone else listening has heard of it, uh, maybe we can connect you at gmail.com if, uh, if you were. After a 10-year hiatus from the hobby, I rejoined a few years ago and kicked things off with an 800-point Shire army of 97 hobbits. Christ. I bet your opponents loved you. After facing off a Harad army of mummics from Cameron Cochrane, I've since looked at more competitive army lists. So many squashed hobbitses. Well, Andrew, uh, 97 hobbits is pretty much good against everything except mummocks. So uh, stick with them. They'll, they'll, they'll do you right in the end. The answer to your riddle is the great someone, as someone is introducing to the something to Pippin. I already mentioned a hobbit earlier. The words are someone, something, something, something. Such gravitas. Keep up the great work, Andrew Cuthbert. I'm sorry I'm keeping this all very secret, but I'm waiting until the last uh, thing. Yes, you are absolutely right, Andrew. Uh, you've bang on the money with the Riddle in the Dark. There's quite a lot of answers, so I'd best smash through them. Michael Cheney has been in touch. Hey, Harry, this segment comes from this film and is said to da, 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 as the crest of the hill and behold the city. A nice tie-in to your recent tournament. Well done for noticing, Michael. Congrats on the success of your Eastlings. Yeah, I did do all right with them last time, didn't I? Uh, not amazing. But all right. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Uh, you have also got the riddle in the dark correct. People have been smashing it out of the park this time. This is great news. Uh, George Harold has been in touch. Um, long-time listener, first-time emailer, starring in your last podcast, prompted me to write in and answer your riddle. Yes, George, you uh, uh, and I had a fantastic game of, uh, what's it called, Destroy the Supplies, which was fantastic. And you had your uh, Airmare and Gandalf the White and it was a really, really good game, and I squeaked a lucky win against you. Um, thanks for the game, and thanks for featuring in the podcast. He says, fortunately, this riddle is one which I'm confident that I can answer, and which I actually even anticipated. Wow, considering the name of the last Venti, says. I believe that the clip that we heard is the moment when... Blah, 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 blah. Next line is this. Yes, you are absolutely correct. Well done anticipating it. Although, of course, I can't actually know that for sure because you're saying this in retrospect. But either way, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed if you did get uh, did anticipate the riddle. Uh, keep up with the good work, he says. I look forward to hearing your next episode from George. Uh, Jake has also been in touch. Uh, Jake Pyatt. Uh, Dear Harry, hope you're having a lovely start to your week. My name's Jake and I've been loving the Entmoot podcast and watching your YouTube videos for over a year now. I recently got back into the Warhammer hobby, all because of your videos. Oh, that is, re that is really nice to hear. Thank you. Uh, and just last week started my first MESBG army, a band of hobbits. Oh, it's a good start. I'm really keen to come along to an event, start meeting people who love the hobby and get involved in the community too, because it sounds fantastic. Um, I've had a look on the Great British Hobbit League events timetable, but I'm unsure which event to attend and wondered if you had any suggestions on events you would recommend recommend attending for a first time with a small army thank you so much and best wishes jake um jake i did respond to you uh, directly um on this um, my first recommendation is if you're wanting to attend an event look at the great british hobbit league's facebook page and event calendar and plan your route out now because if you want to go to an event chances are any events in this sort of immediate couple of months are going to be either sold out or or um, you know, nearly sold out, and and it's hard to then decide if you want to go or not, whatever. Um, 
but look ahead a few months plan your plan your calendar for say i don't know october or september now and you'll be able to find your weekends free find the calendar events that you're looking for and honestly any of them would be good um there are some that are more fluffy than others some that are more competitive but honestly for a first tournament it doesn't really matter if you're playing um competitive players the chances are unless you're really really good at the game you're going to be playing on the sort of lower to mid tables and you're going to have fun uh, i hope you'll have fun anyway so i think um just just dive in I, I think i said to you at the time you sent this maybe consider into the west um which is a really big one in cardiff um i don't know where you were based i feel like you told me uh, in a second message i can't remember um but uh, there's a there's a 450 point tournament which is great for new players uh, in cardiff there's a huge huge uh, number of people going so it'd be great to get sort of dipped into the into the whole size of uh, the potential community and um it's it's i think there's still a couple of tickets left because with a bigger event you tend to find that um, there are more dropouts uh, in the month running up to it and therefore more gaps so i'd recommend that and um, i'd also recommend coming to lord of the imps if you can get a ticket when i put more on sale uh, so jake hopefully that will be uh, that will do you good uh, adam keen has also been in touch um thank you to everyone getting in touch there's quite a lot of emails this time hi mate love your content it's so unique please keep it coming oh thank you there, were, there are some guys in australia who are doing uh, a great work um uh, it's uh, the two towers podcast and um, they do a very similar thing in australia um they asked me how to how to do it or gave me some tips and all that sort of stuff so uh, it's not completely unique uh, do try them out um if you're if you're desperate for more content like it he says uh, you're clearly a frequent tournament attendee and i wanted to get your advice on an army building for my first double tournament in worcester in october it's a thousand points 500 each and i've built so many different armies that i don't know how to narrow down to the one we should be taking are there any sorts of things you look for when building your armies and anything specific to look for when making a doubles army in particular thanks for your time adam um honestly if you're relatively new just go with what you like like you're going to have so much more fun if you have an army that you love the look of that you like painting uh, that you like the theme of and you're going to learn like even if you bring an absolutely busted army list like one of the new uh, top tier of legendary legions you're going to lose games no matter what because you're new and i think doubles especially it's it's such a it's such a fluffy kind of fun kind of vibe um that i think just go with what you like and what you feel like will be cool or fun um, and also it obviously depends on what your uh, your, your friend or whoever's going with you um, wants to take um, in terms of doubles armies um one thing i would say is that have a look at the doubles scenarios if you really do want to sort of play and compete well a lot of the double scenarios um require dividing your army up um so and i found this in mistake in a, a couple of times in the past and gone uh, gone for armies uh, that that kind of synergize really nicely uh, when they're all in a block and then found that we're all divided up so you know i think jasmine uh, tetley and i took to ardacon one year the uh, kazard uh, sorry uh, durin and uh, hearthguard and then galadriel and a load of fight six pikes which sounded amazing on paper and then of course they spent all of their time separate or tried to find each other so uh, i'd probably recommend having a fast moving uh, second contingent or um uh, or at least armies that work well in uh, on by themselves so if you've got two 500 point armies that are thematically uh sort of allianced then it will it'll be really nice so um 
Yeah, so think of things like that. Like, I don't know, for example, Minas Tirith and Rohan. Um, if you've got a Minas Tirith army with a Rohan contingent, the Rohan can get to Minas Tirith easily um, and sort of help them out because it's speed, and then, you know, you'll find yourself doing a bit better. And also, both quite fun lists. And um, there are also similar vibes, would say, I don't know, Harad, load of fast-moving guys going to Mordor, those sorts of things. I think um, just have a bit of fun with it, but if you really do want to compete, consider those things. Uh, but Adam, thanks very much for asking my opinion. And that, I believe, is everything. So, because um, the last email is from SoundCloud, which uh, has thrown me off a little bit. So, uh, I'll, I'll go back to Jake. Uh, or no, it was George who had the last, um, the last riddle in the dark entry. He says, "I believe that the clip which we heard is the moment when Gandalf, Pippin, and Shadowfax ride up and over a small slope, and the awesome white city comes into view. The next line is then Gandalf saying, Minas Tirith." City of Kings. You bang on the money, George. Minas Tirith. City of Kings. And as a few of you said, it is absolutely a link to the City of Kings tournament, which I went to last weekend, which I tried to find a little sneaky link to. So um, there you go. Well done to anyone who picked up on the, um, the, the the connection and also to everyone who got in touch. There was quite a few this time. So thank you so much for getting in touch. Um, and of course, you can do that on entmootpodcast at gmail.com. So why not have a listen to this little clip and then work out who speaks next and what they say. Ooh, is this difficult? Is it hard? Is it easy? Is it a fun one? Let's find out. Let's have another listen to the Riddle in the Dark, entmootpodcast.gmail.com. Send in your answers to who speaks next and what they say. One final time. Here we go. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com is the email address for your comments uh, on everything, including the uh, Dragon Emperor uh, and also the Riddle in the Dark, because I'm intrigued at what you think on um, uh, just generally what you think of this new Easterling Legion or indeed any of the other Defence of the North Legions. Um, I, I'm not the podcast that I'm talking about it, but I'm happy to read out comments um, and thoughts. Uh, it's always interesting to get, your, get a sense of what people think. Um, and also, while you're doing that, have a bash at the Riddle in the Dark. What could possibly go wrong? Now, we've done all that. We've tied all the uh, the little loose ends. So let's head over to Seventh City Collectibles on the outskirts of Nottingham for the Grand Prix and see how the Easterling Dragon Legion fares in its first game. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines for the Seventh City Grand Prix, and it's game number one, uh, playing against Luke here, and uh, I've got the Dragon Emperor, I've got my Easterlings, uh, and Luke, uh, just first of all, give us a run-through of uh, what your list is, because it's pretty bare-bones, it's quite straightforward. Yeah, I went for the simple, I like lots of bows, so I'll get Aurond, which means I can get as many bows as I can in the army. So I've got Aurond on horseback with heavy armour, I've got 16 
Rivendell Knights with shields. I've got one Rivendell Knight with the shield and the banner, and then just one guy on foot with an elbow. So you've got a lot of shooting, a lot of fight five, a lot of lances, it's a lot of mobility as well, playing domination. And so, first of all, with domination, you've got the movement advantage, but what, what did you think of the way I sort of set up? I had my, East, my Dragon Emperor kind of plonked in the middle. The objectives were all roughly in a 12-inch circle around my Dragon Emperor, uh, and then I guess it was up to you to dictate the fight from there. So, for me, straight off, it was Dominion, right? Yeah, domination. Domination, yeah. sorry. Domination was a nice one for me because I've got the mobility for objectives. I want to get the objectives as far away as I can. You put, obviously, yours quite close to the centre. I put two out in the corners, which I managed to get. Mm -hmm. um, your Dragon Emperor actually means I thought your force would stay quite central because you want to use all his bonuses, and there was a lovely bit of train for you right in the centre mm. for you to defend, basically, the Colosseum. Yeah. So I needed to pepper you with shots and try and draw you out. Unfortunately for me, you got drawn out and I got to have three fights and three different fronts. Yeah, I think the difficulty with this one is, although the, um, I think if we were fighting hold ground or something similar, um, oh, hold ground. I, would, oh, you it, won. I think it would have been a, a pretty easy game, well not easy, but it would have been a, a decent game for me. But because two of the objectives are on the out of this, so one was in this Colosseum type ruin thing in the middle, and then two were uh, about 12 inches or just over 12 inches out on, on the sort of right flank as I was looking at it, it meant I kind of couldn't really use all the terrain because there was this open sort of circle of terrain around the outside of this Colosseum which just meant I knew that I was going to have to have some guys on the outside of the terrain at some point or I and, and I couldn't really sort of march through it and to get get to you because I didn't have a choice I couldn't really dictate the the flow of battle which is of course one of the big downsides of having so few bows but um you're right I, th I think you, you completely peppered me and the first, sort of first turn was was okay, didn't kill anything, and then a couple of turns, slowly start picking up, you got like five yeah. or six kills after a while, and I realised I can't just stand here and wait for the game to end without me doing anything. And that's what I would have done. Yeah. I would have got objectives, sat around, peppered you, waited until you were about a couple of models over 25%, and then just thrown everyone into you and see how it plays. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what would happen, and I realised that that was going to happen at some point. So I kind of knew I had to do something somewhere. My, my strategy, uh, if you can call it a strategy, was to send as much of my army out to quarter myself as quickly as possible and hopefully still have enough guys on the objectives but and, and to be fair that worked in the central flank because uh, I kind of peeled off half of my phalanx in the middle um, and went backwards and went and the other half went forwards and the guys that went forwards did really well they they sort of were fighting about five Rivendell Knights they they died slowly, exactly what we wanted. Going backwards, Elrond was there, so I was going to struggle to fight there. The, the Dragon Emperor kind of helped with his Fight 5 buff, but I never got him into combat, so I don't know whether that was a bit of a mistake on my part. But uh, And the other side, I sent the Dragon Emperor, uh, Dragon Knight and some guys, but they were mopped up quite quickly by seven, I think it was seven knights, so I managed to kill a couple, but uh, not very many. But I think Seven knights with the banner, yeah. that was arguably my second strong front. Yeah. The yeah. guys in the middle happy to kind of plough away see what happens yeah. so I won the central objective but you got the uh, the left objective and the, the the other two objectives you talked about so you did get the win in the end um, for that but I, I, I'm just trying to trying to work out how I could have done this in a way that would have actually led led the, the you know led me to victory I feel one you're quite unlucky with your tremors mm. and two I think you should have used your force as a one mm. and try and hammer into me and actually play the fact that you have got quite a strong fight when you get everyone involved. Yeah. Like your Emperor, lo like lovely buffs, unfortunately never got into combat, yeah. never got to use his raw killing might 
and the real kind of fight six you can mm. put a strike on that you can do what nine attacks yeah. you can plough through people with them I thought that the, I, I did think this a, a few times but the problem was because you have such a movement advantage over me that if I, if I were to try and I, my thought initially was charge through the central objective get into combat relatively quickly uh, and then churn through this stuff but I knew that what would happen is I'd sort of land in the middle of your line of 18 uh, or thereabouts knights and then the five in the middle would maybe be fighting, but the ten on the other side would just sort of spread apart and then either wrap round and kill stuff or, or just run away for the objectives. And I, I just couldn't quite sort of... I was never going to be able to pin you in one space because the, the, the terrain didn't really lend itself to that unless you had charged into the middle, which would have been silly. If, yeah, if I... No, I, I think, unfortunately for you, the matchup was in my favour. Mm. I have got the mobility... And the, the yeah, this scenario lent itself to mobility. And you've got the mobility and the killing power as well. So when you charge, you kill. And if I do win, which I did, you know, a fair few fights, because I've got, you know, three guys. I've got a fight five at the back, and you're charging me lances, so you didn't get the Elven Blade bonus a lot of the time. But like, um, it, it just meant that I was maybe killing one a turn, which. I'd need 18 turns to, to do that, which <laughs> yes. is never going to work, was it? But uh, So, either way, it was a cracking game. You, I managed to hold on to the central objective, which I was happy with, but you managed to take the two outer objectives. I contested one of them, which gave, uh, gave me a, a, a... No, you gave you one point rather than the two, uh, and you did break me. And I foolishly, in the last turn, uh, didn't, didn't put my Dragon Emperor in the right place because there's one objective that's completely un uncontested, but it's fine because you forgot to do a heroic combat in the last turn yes. anyway. So. I'm quite bitter about that. I've <laughs> been so very conservative with my might. Yeah. I've done one, uh, one heroic uh, move without running the entire yeah. game, hadn't touched it, and had it all planned out and just forgot. Yeah, I think it's because I, I, I think it's because I struck over with my Dragon Knight against the two guys, and you were like, right, crack on, and then yeah. we just went straight into combat. So then we got to our one, you're like, I didn't call my combat, did I? I was like, I don't know, you didn't, you didn't. All right. Uh, but anyway, so so you win six two, was it six two? So you know, good good win. And um, people have been saying that the Dragon Emperor is busted and broken and all this sort of stuff. And um, obviously, we didn't get to see it perform to the height of its abilities in combat. But I mean, what do you think, just generally, to the the buff, buffing potential here? The fight five and having everyone, yeah, fight five is strong. Yeah. Um, the fact that most of your people are fighting three deep fight five, that is very, very strong. Yeah. Banner on top of that, yeah. I think pretty much any army that isn't elves, you'll see that fight five really come into effect mm -hmm. and you'll really start just munching through combat. I really hope so, although I hear rumours that a few people have brought the uh, Gilgalad and Fight 6 Kingsguard c uh, combination, uh, purely because they're expecting a lot of the uh, Black Dragons. So we'll see uh, what happens. I'm going down, Luke, you're going up. Best of luck in the rest of the tournament. Best of luck, mate. Game number two. Uh, I've got Eric uh, as my opponent today, and we've got Assassination as the mission, which, I'll be honest, is a mission that I think the Easterlings tend to be quite good at, especially with the Dragon Knight uh, kicking about. Uh, but before we get into the ins and outs of the scenario, um, Eric, just to give me a bit of a rundown of your army. What have you got in there? Uh, so I brought uh, Corsairs of Ombar today, uh, and it, the theme that I run with is basically just an all-out shooting. So we got a full crossbow limit. We've got Dalamir, Dalgamar, and Boson, with a bit of Reavers sprinkled in. Uh, so uh, basically, it's just a line of crossbows. Uh, shoot you as many times before you get into me, and then pray that I get good rolls and you get bad rolls, and my Reavers just going wild. Uh, but other than that, that's it. And and you do have a few Black Numenorians as well, uh, which is worth noting. So you haven't gone for the max uh, uh, Corsair I, numbers. I was going to go for a max Corsair numbers, uh, but I couldn't get my painting fast enough. <laughs> so I just decided to go with my Numenorians that I got painted up. So that it should have been 
um, four more normal normal uh, Corsairs with shields and uh, just put a crossbow on a bosun. Um, but Numenorans still perform really well. Good. Yeah, they do. I mean, the courage, it, it forced me to spend the point of will on my uh, uh, war gear to, to do fury. So I guess that, that, was, uh, that was, it was something. It, and, it, and I failed some courage checks early on uh, before I'd done the fury as well. So it, it did play a part in this game. Um, but I think the major thing that happened in this game was, was the deployment. Um, the 24-inch, uh, this is a 24-inch deployment one, so I could start really close to the centre. Uh, and, and I think you may have made a bit of a, a, a maybe a, bit, a couple of errors with your deployment because you didn't deploy really far back. Uh, so I, I completely disregarded the fact that you have a, a wardrum, and that was a big mistake because um, after doing my first deployment, which was around about like 10, 10 inches, 12 inches in really, uh, you know, you're, you're starting right in the middle of the board, you've got the drums, and they're going three inches as well, so uh, that was basically straight to fighting, which defeats my purpose, and I, I do agree, I should have, uh, on this type of map, when you've got like, a good open area in the middle, I should have definitely just went straight back and let you get to me, and just take pot shots. Um, and then obviously I, I did um, deploy one of my other uh, warbands a little bit further away, which you sort of countered because you got the deployment after that and you just went straight into it and just hammered it. Exactly, yeah. You ha so you had uh, th the same number of warbands as me. Um, I deployed my smallest warband first and then uh, and and that was kind of in response to your big warband with Dalamir, uh, which you kind of deployed 12 inches or thereabouts on um, and then you filled up the, to the left of him with your bosun and then on the right hand side in front of a building so a little bit closer to the center line you put Delgamar uh, and his gang which I, I may be wrong but it, it looked like a bit of a smaller warband is that right yeah it's yeah. it's it's not a lot it's yeah. uh, it's about I think it's 14 yeah. but it's it's primarily shooting as well so your warriors don't really go in front so you put your bow, you put your crossbows at the back, so you don't really get a lot yeah. to to work with in terms of actual fighting. Yeah, and, and what I did in that that instance was basically I just drummed in the first turn, pulled all the guys that I deployed on the right hand side as I was looking it over to the left hand side to focus on Delgamar. He was my target, um, so I knew straight away if I get in close to him and deny the access for the rest of your army and also create more in the ways because you had more more of your army in the way it, uh, it would have it helped me and and that i think basically won me the game pretty much yeah i mean it, with with your you know easterling's big big shield when when i take my shots i you know they, they're gonna get stuck in and in, in in some sort of way uh in in your big sort of pile but um uh, i i'm pretty um pretty disappointing on my shots today not gonna lie it's yeah i mean you were unlucky uh, it's fair to say i mean I, I think one of the things that we just had a chat just before the the match ended i was wondering whether the prioritizing of the shooting sometimes you're shooting into or through combats um when the perhaps were, would have been clean shots elsewhere but i know you were trying to get broad gear and and things like that and take out pikes and things like that so i guess so, it's a bit so of a ideally with with the, with this whole concept is obviously here there was quite a lot of, I, i'm like your pike support is is insane so you're getting into combats with a lot more dice than i have uh the idea of, of the whole shooting my stuff thing was uh, if you're outnumbered and you don't want to get absolutely piled in and it, especially when your heroes are fighting and calling hero combats I want to get that guy killed mm. and that will stop you going in but obviously your heroes stayed a little bit at the back and it's mostly your guys your front guys that just did all the work yeah uh, and obviously Dalamir running out on his uh, first roll uh, you oh, know, yeah, first bomb things. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's not it's not like a huge thing because obviously your guys were at the back. He's mostly just sort of throwing them in between his guys, sapping the will until he can get through and get that channel transfixed, or even throws them in a combat 
that somebody else is fighting that. And if, you know, with my guys being low defense, it doesn't really matter if they get hit and with the transfix because they're nine times out of ten they're dying. But yeah, that rolling that one is uh, pretty brutal. Yeah, losing all of your smoke bombs was nasty. But I think because early on I, I managed, you, you kind of sent Dal Dalgamar, Dalgamar, Dalgamar um, from the uh, around into a combat, and I just had a really easy chance to throw the Dragonite in, who'd lost his horse, but he still had uh, room that second turn to to jump in uh, and take him out in the first go, which I think really swung the game for me because it meant that I could leave the Dragonite and Borgir and and even the Emperor at the back and just churn through because I had the fight five. I've got the pikes, uh, the four, uh, so three dice, sometimes four with the acolytes in there. I'm killing if I win the fights, and I'm winning more often than not because of the fight five. So uh, I felt like it was just one of those, ch uh, just let them, let my guys do the work, and they really did churn through them. It's, it's, it's same with um, with Dragon Emperor. It's, it's plus one fight is so crucial in this game because everything that I have is four. So you know he doesn't have to do all the work. He, if he's just there in that bubble, then your guys being pikes, you know, two 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 extra dice in combat is just an absolute absolute challenge for me yeah. really and, and and also it helps the the pikes also add add to the range of effectively of the thing because you know the third pike at the back of a combat is maybe is is within six inches of the the bubble which means the so front guy is fighting the fight five so it just means it extends that range having the Absolutely. pike support as well it's really very good and with the terrain as well i mean dalamir is sort of running because uh, he didn't really have any choice after losing those bombs and he just got absolutely surrounded and and uh, it wasn't good after that but yeah it was great it was a great game it was a great game I, I managed to use the dragon emperor he, he killed some dudes but not a lot but crucially in this one the fight five really really uh, led to the victory against the corsairs uh, it was a 12-0 victory as well after taking out the uh, the target and also breaking and killing the leader as well so on to game number three round three lords of battle and it's against a, a, a regular on the podcast a, a friend of the show jasmine tetley hello jasmine um first run for your army uh, yeah, so actually this was quite exciting because it's actually the only second time that me and Harry have ever played competitively, yeah. despite about being this. at a number of tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so my army is the new Assault Upon Lothlorien one. Mm. So you've got your three named heroes of Druzag, um, Musga, and Ashrak. Uh, there's two bats, three giant spiders, two wolf marauders, four prowlers, and about 40 models. Um, so yeah, and the plus one to wound on shooting is very nice against those Easterlings. Yeah, especially because the, 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 the two, strength two getting the plus one is really handy, isn't it? Because it puts it down to the fives, um, which is nice. And But just, just quickly, because this is very new, this is a defense of the north off. Um, so cause this is a, a, an unusual combination. So you get the bats and you get the enraging of the things. Um, just give us an idea of what, what actually your, your army list does. I mean, I'm not going to go through every profile, but because uh, that's, that's for other podcasts to do. But what, what exactly does the army do and what does it, why do you think it's good? So essentially you have uh, one main strategy, which is you put a bat in on a model to have it. You enrage a spider um, to go join the bat because the enraged spider will then have fight six, so you'll automatically win the fight. The spider is now like re-rolling a lot of dice, especially if you've trapped them as well. And if you really need to, you can catch people off guard with the Shroud of Shadows on the spider too. So you can just send it through the bat line, enrage it, and then you can basically just pop heroes um, instantly and that's kind of how you de defeat heroes yeah and so you don't have any massive big hitters yourselves obviously other than the spiders when they're enraged but you've got enough sort of little tricks to be able to soup up something and take on those big heroes like like a, a, a dragon emperor or a dragon knight or whatever and and make pretty quick work of it 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Most heroes, if they've not got defense, then they are just going to die to that combination. And it's really difficult to stop that coming unless you've got enough models. So in my second game, I played Goblin Town and they could just spam a load of goblins around the hero. So I couldn't go through and make those plays. But against the Easterlings that have a phalanx block, it's just very difficult to, in order to actually, one, use your heroes and two, protect them on all sides to stop that happening as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so... With that in mind, we I deployed pretty much on the centre line, Lords of Battle, you can. You deployed pretty far back, uh, or not not all the way at the back, but you were pretty uh, pretty far uh, far back. And I, I, I drummed straight into your line, and I sent my block of dudes straight into your uh, line of, of goblins and orcs. And and it looked like, I looked like to be fair, I, I had a good chance of killing a fair amount of, of stuff. And obviously you'd left all your, your monsters on the side, so you, you're kind of ready to pounce on the second turn. But that first turn, you got a fair few kills, but the, sort of back, back to back, I, I've, my guys are going to kill your guys so quickly, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, the pipe block is instantly going to kill the model. So I was just going to accept the losses there, and I knew that I had to work quickly on the rest of it. Mm. One thing that does help with the assault upon Lothlorien is that you don't really care that your guys are that expendable. You've got prowlers and bows, and especially against the pike block, the first turn of combat, I managed to stop, I think it was like three of the pike block combats just by throwing weapons either through combats or just straight through onto the spear supports and taking them out with that plus one to wound. And obviously, I don't take the plus one wound to myself, so it's more than worth the risk. Yeah, yeah, and you, bro yeah, you broke at least two, two or three. I think you killed one guy who was in combat, and then you took a pike or two out of some of the others as well. So it was really good. The first turn of shooting, I think you did did some pretty decent damage. I, mean, I think I'd say half a dozen or thereabouts off. off no, it was eight off, off the three turns, which is just pretty sizable chunk of my army. And then of course. They, once the pipe block actually lands, yes, I was killing stuff. I maybe killed eight goblins or something like that. But the, the turn following that, where you could respond with all your spiders and your bats, you took out a dragon knight, you took out the uh, uh, the drummer and the cavalry and the acolytes, and it all sort of started falling apart for me. The pipe block is in just one point, and yeah. that's the thing. And it's like, sure, you're going to kill every model that you're in combat with, but that's like five of my models. Yeah. And if I make up for that elsewhere then it doesn't really matter to me because your pipe block's kind of immobile. It was stuck with with the where the emperor was. It wasn't as mobile. I could move my uh, wags and my spiders around and just basically go, okay, sure, I'll just take the hits on that one area and then just fight elsewhere. Yeah. And, and of course, this, this uh, you can probably tell that I, it's not going well for me here. Um, but so as, as the, the turns developed, um, what do you think I could have done differently to to mitigate against the fact that I lost the Dragon Knight? Eventually, the the dra Dragon Emperor got surrounded by spiders and bats and all the little transfixes and the little enrages of, of your your casters. Was there anything that I could have done differently? Maybe landed my guys in a different place or chosen a bottleneck or something? Because I'm kind of thinking in my head that either I take a load of shooting or I charge in at some point, but I don't really have a ch choice of where I end up fighting. Yeah, that's right. You don't have the choice of where we're fighting because I've got that shooting power. I'm just going to constantly pepper you. So you have to fight where I want to fight. Um, I think, obviously, the Dragon Knight is really squishy and he went down very quickly. So, yeah, it's, it was rough for him with my rerolls to cast and being able to mob him. Um, I think the Emperor needed to be in combats. And the key thing against my army is that it struggles against the defense. Like, it's not... 
and then if you manage to defense like two turns off me then my enraged beasts are going to die I'm, you're going to be able to then pick them off because I've had to commit them so I think just putting your dragon emperor in in this battle is probably the right thing because especially when I can just fly over or go invisible and go through and just go on the other side to get him anyway yeah you're right you're right I, th I think that, that was probably I sort of saw this beautiful gap in the terrain here that was like about about a phalanx one I thought right well I'll push through that and I'll kill everything on the other side of it but of course I didn't, A, because you're shooting, and B, because I only kill the front line, and then there's more guys waiting. Um, and then, of course, the Dragon Emperor sitting behind everything, so it, it just, just meant that he was easy pickings eventually. I mean, I sort of had a vague shield of dudes uh, covering the flank, but it didn't last long once you'd sort of churn through the, uh, some of the guys on the flank. So, so yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I, I'm finding it difficult at the moment with the Dragon Emperor, because... Because he gives such good buffs, you know, the banner is great, the, the fight five is fantastic, although I suppose less important than this one. Um, I'm, I'm kind of umming and ahhing on where, what to do with him. I guess you're right, I think this one he probably should have led the charge. I think you put him in the middle with half of the pipe block on one side and half of the pipe block on the other side. And then he's constantly getting into like two models and you can't pick him off on the sides. I think that's kind of the way you need to play him. But he's in the fight. Mm. But he's also protected on the flanks. How do I do that when you, you're dictating where I fight, though? Because you had a very small gap that, that was like five, five or six guys wide. That, that big old base, that would mean I'd probably only have one or two do dudes behind it. One or two guys on either side is fine in that situation. And don't forget, you've got a drum. So if needed, you can run a load of guys behind as well. Yeah, I, I need to think more carefully about the strategies to use this because I ended up with a 12-0 loss here. It was 10-0. 10-0, okay, pretty close though, pretty close. It was, it was by one wound, wasn't it, that you, you just didn't quite get that triple. But either way, um, the, this, this new Legion you've been playing, it's clearly got so many different tricks. And I know in um, our previous games, whether friendly or in tournaments, or talking about them at, uh, at the end of um, in the podcast, I know that you like these armies where you've got lots of little different tricks and, you know, magic and all that sort of stuff to, to play with this is actually one of the best legendary legions because not only is it difficult to write because a lot of them write themselves there's a lot of choice here and i don't think there's necessarily one way to write it it's also quite a high skill army as well in that you've got the ability to make those plays and in the hands of somebody who doesn't know what they're doing it's not going to stand up mm. and jasmine knows exactly what she's doing so there you go uh, well done uh, good luck in the next one i know you, i know you're, you're you're down here because you lost against the goblin town you mentioned that but it means you're, you're catapulting back up um to the to the top table again i mean do you, are there any really hard counters uh, for this list do you think goblin town was a very hard counter that was for sure and i played for a narrow defeat because of the way the tournament system works all i need to do is make the top pool so it's a kind of diff bit different so in that situation it was tactical to play for a narrow loss well there you go uh, so jasmine we may end up talking to you later on in the podcast we'll find out Game number four, uh, and we were playing Recon, uh, playing up against Paul, who ha has been a patron in the past. You used my uh, uh, dice against me, which, I, to be fair, I'm not sure that you've got many sixes on them, so no, may maybe no. they were rigged. Maybe they're rigged. Um, either way, uh, first, before we get into uh, the full rundown of the game, Paul, what army have you got? Give us a bit of a rundown of your army list. Uh, so I've gone for a classic Mordor list. I've got Witch King on horse with crown and 315 3. He's got seven Black Numenorians, seven Moranans with Spear and Shield, and a Wild Rider. Mouth of Sauron, five Moranans, uh, six Moranans with Spear and Shield, five Black Numenorians, and then Zagdush with just some Moranans. Again, I think it's about eight Moranans and a Wild Rider. So the idea is to have a nice terror wall at the front, two casters, Harbinger of Evil, 
but I don't think it, it paid off that much today with the fury and um, everything that happened your way. I'll let you, well, obviously, we'll go through the game in a bit. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, I mean, uh, recon's a weird one, isn't it? Because you sort of spend three and a half turns or thereabouts wandering up the battlefield, and, yeah. and it, get, it gives you a chance to kind of choose where you want to fight and where, where you want things to go. Um, and the drumming really helped for me for that, I think, because I could just get over the halfway line. Um, it meant your, the bulk of your force was in the sort of your third of the table, yeah. I suppose, which always makes it a bit of a difficult thing for you to do recon. But having said that, you, you've got the mobility of the wargs, and, and we kind of just launched into a combat right in the centre. And I sent some guys around the edges, you sent some guys around the edges, but... It was one of those games where it just felt like there was so much going on throughout the whole game. Yeah, it was quite a swingy game. Um, I found, as we mentioned just at the end of the game there, that I, I kind of got you down to broken quite quickly. Mm. Um, and that was quite brutal in that sense. And then all of a sudden, I think you guys just managed to plough straight through and you started getting some sixes. The fight value really came into its own. Uh, I think, you know, if you looked at that list before the Dragon Emperor and getting if your army was predominantly fight four, there'd have been a lot of tied fights there between the Numenorians and the and the uh, Easterlings but I think yeah that really did swing it for you um, Dragon Emperor started to get a few kills as well yeah. um, he, he actually really came into his own in this one because I think um, there was a couple of early turns where Zag just sort of launched forward and he was surrounded by um, Fight 5 um, uh, Black Dragons so you had to strike or you felt like you, you had to strike and he was he was sort of using his might up to do that sort of stuff uh, the Mouth of Sauron did a similar sort of thing he charged and took a heroic combat into Brawgear sadly he didn't uh, kill Brawgear but it just meant that uh, your heroes were really far forward um, and quite close to the Dragon Emperor and it you know who's kind of took behind the line uh, m mainly avoiding Witch King and uh, you know getting too surrounded by Moranans and stuff but that allowed him to just chomp through a couple of big heroes early on and, and I had the might advantage as well quite early on yeah it was, it was quite strange because I got a really lucky uh, one dice black dart on the dragon emperor which you chose not I think you had your free one um, you thought oh I'll let it go I'll see what happens and ended up using uh, your two of your fate yeah. so I think that was a, a bit of a shock and a might I think was it yeah, and a point of mind. So I think, yeah, it was a bit of a shock early on. And uh, I think I got a bit too confident then. Uh, overreached with the mouth of Sauron, which that was a calculated gamble. didn't quite pay off. But I think the main thing is, you know, I was saying to you before, I was thinking of either taking Goroth or Zagdush. And I think if I had Goroth and I didn't feel like I had to strike with the Fight Five, it might have been a bit different. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely... It's definitely tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're you're, you're right. You're, the, one of the things that really helped um, you in the early stages of the game was we, we kind of had this battlefield in the centre, a really, really empty area, and my phalanx didn't have anywhere to kind of anchor itself. But it also allowed for the Dragon Emperor to move around and manoeuvre a bit more than he has been able to in previous games. So you had that initial you know, uh, chance to swing around and trap the sides of the phalanx and meant that I wasn't getting the three dice on a, in a fight. You were getting sort of, you know, it was fairly evens or... Or, or you were having more dice against me. So yeah. you guess you were more likely to kill stuff early on. But as slowly the heroes started falling away and I get to choose the fights and block things off, yeah. it ended up becoming a bit more like a, 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 a well, but more dominated my way. And the fight five just, just did all the work. And, and, and the Witch King, I, I wondered, like, because there a couple of times you did things like black darts and, and so on. I wondered whether you ever thought about transfixing um, the, the Dragon Emperor or was, was there just not many opportunities? I think... Looking at the resistance of magic, I didn't want to pour all of my resource into him. Um, so I was trying to just skate around. At first, you didn't have the fury up. So I was trying to just keep the Witch King on the edge, using that Harbringer. Um, but yeah, fair play. I think you can't really... 
with the resistance to magic, it just makes you think, am I going to throw two dice for this? Am I going to throw three dice yeah. for the cast? And then, you know, I tried a couple of black darts afterwards and you went, okay, I've seen what happened the first time. I'm now going to throw two. Yeah. I think that was the difference. Um, should I have targeted the... I mean, I picked off the Dragon Knight... Uh, his, his horse, horse. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was, a, that was a nice little black dart there. Could I have done more in terms of transfixing them? Possibly. Yeah. Um, so I think there were a couple of times that I thought, oh, I would definitely heroic combat here, uh, or heroic move here, sorry, because if you, if you do, you can neutralise the Dragon Emperor, keep him farther away, you get a bit more uh, sort of moving around, but I know you were conscious, you were, you were saving um, your Witch King's might for combats, maybe? Yeah, I, I was always, he went down quite early doors um, in terms of his might store. Um, so I think that I had to, once I had one, I was thinking I'm going to need to save that to either win a fight might up a fate um, and like you said because I lost the other two heroes early on I was sort of trying to be conservative with his might uh, late game yeah I think that's, that's the thing when you lose um, sort of what was it uh, uh, five points of might in the uh, first few turns you automatically become more conservative and, and maybe more wary of spending it and I wonder whether actually that, that kind of that it was almost a, a, a spiral of, of indecision that maybe you should have spent some of it even though you didn't have much. I don't know. It, it's hard to know uh, in hindsight. I think as well you, you had about five or six priorities where you won on the bounce. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, which kind of, as soon as that happened, the Witch King was already starting to go on the edge of combats. You were then targeting him and uh, that kind of stopped the magic for those last few turns and then all of a sudden you look at it and you go, okay, he's only got four, five, six, seven wheel now. What, am I going to use that on magic or am I going to use that because I know that I'm going to be in combat for the next six yeah. or seven turns so I think that was quite a big factor as well you, you're totally right that, that was really lucky the priorities in a row and you, yeah you, you didn't call any moves on any of them but maybe that was the right choice and, and because I had the fight five against your witch king as well it just means that you're, you're, you know, you're not always winning those fights and I got a couple of wins against you but crucially it chipped away three maybe four will points and, yeah. and then I did a, a got my brawl gear to spend a couple of my a couple of will and a might point to get a, a, a tremor off which forced you to spend even more so it just I, I think in the last turn although the emperor took you out in the last turn or I say the emperor did it the, the black dragon um, guys on the bottom did it um, so he, those six dudes just managed to scrape that six um, but the the, the thing at the end was that I, I think you'd uh, oh, I've lost my train of thought here uh, that yeah the, 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 basically the fight five was just chipping away at the will so you were so close to, to popping anyway that it was very hard to, for you to come back from it at that point I think yeah I think I, like I said I think it was a very ebb and flow game I felt quite confident when I managed to get the black dart off then equally a couple of combats and Zagdush killed the, the drummer on the cataphract and I thought oh here we go yeah we're getting a bit of momentum now um, but then it just started to flow the other way and I think as soon as I lost the two heroes as soon as I broke I think actually as soon as you broke I think almost as if like, as soon as you broke your dice turned up the fight five turned up and I think from then I, you know, I was confident that I got two models off the board to start um, and then I think you just managed because we had the fight on our, my side of the board I think because you had that march on the drum early doors, that yeah. you know it didn't take much for you to get three models off the board. Whilst I, the mouth was my only march who died in an early combat. The other guys had to trudge. Yeah. The wild riders got held up by the little guys over yeah, there. Yeah, there was a contingent of five. We have to give them uh, props because there's a contingent of five black dragons, and because we've got a global standfast with the uh, dragon emperor, they just they didn't need to take courage checks, and it meant your. I think there was two wild riders, two black numenorians, and a, a couple of Miranda's or something yeah. like that. Four black dragons managed to hold them off which you know props and that was fantastic and you got a couple of guys run away but they just shielded they just shielded and they just held off for long enough to, to stop you from from getting away and I've just realized the uh, 
defense eight on the Witch King, right? Yes. So strength three is not sixes, is it? It's sixes by fours. So um, I think we're going to have to do this live because if, if that six isn't a four, it wouldn't have killed the Witch King uh, and it would change the score. So let's do it live. Here we go. Got a dice. It's a five. So it, it wouldn't have changed the result. But either way... Um, uh, cracking game, Paul. I, it, definitely the best game of the day for me. It's been really eb ebbing and flowing. And yes, I ended up with a win, but I think it felt like both yeah. of us were in it all the game. Yeah, that was de that was definitely my favourite game. Um, I played a couple of strong legions today, um, and then the other game was very much in my favour. This felt like a, a competition, yeah. um, which is what you want to. That's what you come to play for. So yeah, fair play. Um, well, best of luck for tomorrow. Yeah, I guess. and you. Yeah, See you cheers. cheers, man. Cheers. cheers. There you go, day number one of the Grand Prix. Now, I have to make an admission, because if you're listening to this to the second time, this podcast, which I don't quite understand, but I understand that people do, uh, you may well be hearing a slightly different version of events, because in the first edition, which will now be erased from public memory, uh, essentially, I got something wrong. And it was quite a stupid thing that if you were listening to the podcast, you probably worked it out while you were listening to it. But essentially, I said... I'd lost uh, two games, I won one and drew one, which, as you have just listened to this podcast, you'll know that I've won two games, uh, one against the Corsairs and one just now against the Mordor army with the Witch King, and then I lost two, uh, one with the Rivendell Knights and one with uh, Jasmine's Legion of the Night. So, um, strangely, I somehow... Were, um, misconstrued one of them as a draw which wasn't a draw i can't remember why i thought that uh, my notes would have been uh, were wrong or something like that but anyway so at the end of day one i have done a, a pretty impressive run of games i think i've swung backwards and forwards um from a, a, a rather resounding win against the corsairs which basically this army feels like it's uh, built to sh uh, win against because it's got the march so it lands right in front of the uh, corsairs pretty early on and um, it churns through the fight four with its fight five advantage and uh, even the cro uh, crossbows because I was just in combat it, they just weren't they weren't doing much damage and they took out a lot of their own dudes so a uh, great win against that a loss against the Rivendell Knights in an objective game but to be fair um, I, I, it was a tricky game anyway and uh, I, I was you know I was pretty much outplayed I, I didn't really know how to approach that game uh, and lost that based on just struggling to work out whether to split my army up or or not and and I just didn't have the kind of mobility or the the ability to kind of spread out shoot shoot in the same way that he did so I didn't mind that and I lost uh, lost that one uh, I think that's fair and Jasmine a is a fantastic player and B has a, a very very strong new legion um which a lot of people are reckoning is is the way to the way to use the new defense of the North book so really interesting uh, really interesting day um, and then the one I got wrong uh, in the initial one um, and you may have heard uh, was that I thought I, I got a draw in the last one which I, I didn't recon against Mordor and managed to just pip uh, pip Paul to the post with uh, getting a few extra guys off the board and uh, killing his leader and so on so um, two wins two losses this is exactly half and half. This is fantastic. I'm really, really happy with this so far. Uh, the Dragon Emperor has done a lot more work than I, uh, I did in the practice games. And um, the Fight Five bonus has been amazing. Uh, he's just he's just really delivering the goods. Yes, he struggled against the uh, the Legion. I think uh, I think I misplayed in that game against Jasmine. But ultimately, I think Jasmine has the tools to take apart the Legion, um, uh, particularly the Dragon Emperor, because she, she, you know, she could just slip her guys through the uh, the cracks, the invisible um, 
spiders and they could just do deal a horrendous amount of damage in one turn so um maybe if i'd have charged at the front line i could have done things differently but uh, and the rivendell knights i don't mind losing that one because fight five charging with lances is always going to be a tricky fight so with that in mind we're actually doing rather well um day number two is on the way can the easterlings deliver all i need to do is get all i need to do is get one more win well no two more wins i need to get two wins today because that will give me my positive win loss ratio if i get two losses uh, it will be uh, a shame it'll be the four to the three if i get two wins it'll be the four to the three that i want for the win loss ratio can we do it Let's head back to the Seventh City Collectibles for day number two. Game number five, uh, playing against James here today. And the, the mission is uh, Fog of War, which is uh, the one where you sort of pick a target, protect a target, try and capture some terrain. Uh, James, first of all, give us a summary of, uh, of your army and then we'll, uh, we'll go into what happened. Yeah, hello. So I'm running a Last Alliance uh, list. I've got Ellen Deal. Uh, I've got some shieldsmen, some archers with spears. I've got a banner. Um, and then I've got a warband of elves with Erastor as their leader. Um, two Rivendell Knights, a couple of archers and eight elves with shields. So you've got just slightly uh, less models than the 29, but of course you have the shooting advantage, so you're likely to chip a few away in the early turns. But uh, as it started, I mean, we'll, we'll reveal uh, our, who we chose and who we targeted uh, right at the end, so we can have a bit of, a, a bit of fun with that. Um, but... Uh, Essentially, the, I'm, I marched forward directly onto your, uh, your thing and faced a bit of bow fire. And I think maybe in the first couple of turns, you just stood still and yep. fired, fired, uh, fired bows at me. And, and you did a fair bit of damage. Yeah, yeah. I think I got a couple of the acolytes in the first turn with some very lucky shooting. And then a couple of, uh, of, of pikes as well. So I got quite lucky, but it, it meant that I've obviously sacrificed a lot of ground. Um, and yeah, like you said, I stood still a couple of turns at the start. Yeah, yeah, so you got, you got string three bows, so yeah, the acolytes went down and the bow went down and a couple of pikes, I think probably five, maybe six kills in the first, maybe three turns of shooting, because the third turn, I think I was just about to connect, but you still had a couple of shots. Yeah, I think I think it was five, yeah, I think. So that, which is which is vital in this, because of course um, you already have a, a, it's twisted it from be, being me slightly outnumbering you to the opposite. Uh, and then of course you've got Elendil, who's got the free heroic combats, churning his way through uh, at least one or two, uh, if not more, uh, every single turn. So and I'm, I'm very aware of Elendil, he's got so much mobility, so I've got to be really super careful with the Dragonite and Brawl Gear, because... Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, he could just jump around them, kill them, and assassinate me in one go. And then, of course, I'm, I, I actually only have one choice uh, to kill for you, Aristor. And I, I, I kind of just went straight for him. I, like, yeah, you yeah. deployed in a, a block of, of guys. I marched straight into the block. So the Dragon Emperor, was for the first time in, in the tournament, really, he led the charge. He went straight forward because yeah. I know there's no points in it uh, uh, in killing him. But, of course, he's important. And I also got quite... Sorry, I also got quite lucky with... Uh, if you remember right at the start, when you when the lines clashed, I won the heroic move off, which meant that you couldn't go straight into Aerostore. Mm. Luckily, I won it and, and went around the side and got him got him out of there a bit. Yeah, there were quite. I mean, I think I, I think I probably got slightly less than half of the uh, the, the move offs, um, and I, I lost quite a few priorities. So I was having to call the moves, and you had to counter them and stuff like that. So, but the first the first clash was pretty good. I got the emperor in. I got a few. Uh, or you charged with the emperor, and I got, ended up fighting two guys with the emperor, and the lines were good. But I, I, you just had a little bit more power on your right-hand side flank. You had Ellendale, so he could push through three guys. Yeah. Arrestor killed a few more guys. And the Dragon Knight, because you won that move off, he was shielded off, so he was out of the fight in the first turn. Yeah. Uh, and then I think, I think I probably 
didn't quite win as many or kill as many guys from the, the flank where I really did dominate. I had loads of guys that got sort of two pikes, uh, two rows of pikes onto one guy in a couple of places. So I had quite a lot of dice in, in a few places. Definitely. Well, it was those, those first two turns, Ellendale was just doing what he does best and running right down, down my right flank. And on the left, where you had the advantage, I think those first couple of turns, you didn't kill anywhere near as, as much as what should have happened, which meant that I ran away a little bit with the, the numbers advantage down that flank. But um, with the Emperor, luckily, you've still got the, the banner advantage, haven't you? Yeah, and something you brought up, uh, which I found as a bit of a disadvantage through most of the tournament, was that the, the Dragon Emperor's base size um, has really helped me in this one because I, I could use him a kind of... Pin, pin the uh, Ellendale off in, into the uh, into a bit of terrain here with the help of just one or two pikes and I could just slow Ellendale down yes he was killing two a turn but it was only two a turn rather than three or four or five sort of pushed him against this big ruin on the side so where although he can obviously kill one a turn he can only get through one into another one because he's stuck between the Emperor and the and the uh, the ruin which means and obviously I could have gone into the Emperor but I don't really want to take. I want. I want Ellendale. My game plan essentially was just to try and break you quite quickly. Kill five. Well, luckily, killed five with the bows, and then Ellendale to kill another ten to break you, and then swarm round you was the idea. But then you really nullified him by pushing him to, to the right hand side and getting him at just one or two a turn. Yeah, and of course I was uh, constantly aware of your, your potential for her at combating into the Emperor, so and, and there was this kind of to and fro, like do I strike this time? No. And I try and shield him off with some guys to make yeah. sure that I, the idea was Emperor kill Arrestor eventually, but you were quite canny with Arrestor, you only let him get in combat once, um, and then I think to be fair, I think you wouldn't either move offs or, or priorities quite a few times, so Arresto never want, had another chance to get into combat. And I'd taken off his two fate points, so one more go, I'd have had him. And I was saying to you, I, I'm surprised he's defence seven. Look at him, he doesn't have a shield, he's not got heavy armour, like, like, it just looks like a defence six guy. So I was thinking that at least the, the Emperor would be wounding him on fives, and then the other guys would get sixes, so I may get three wounds through, um, which would be enough to wound him at the very least. But but no, the defence seven kind of surprised me there, so that was that was pretty good. Um, and well, he did well to, to pass both his fate rolls didn't it? I mean he might at that point yeah and, that's and true so yeah so what's yeah, that so on balance yeah I was yeah. going to say on balance he probably uh, statistically should have lost one but you know I won't go into that um, but then I suppose once once it sort of started spilling around and I, I really did lose all the guys on my flank um, it became a, a, it became basically a Elendil against the Emperor and me shielding off Borgia and the Dragon Knight knowing fully well it could be either of them uh, that you chose as your target and, and I think I did that pretty well I peeled off enough combats to make sure Borgia only took a, a couple of fate uh, a lost yeah. a couple of fate so he, he was protected he was the man I was trying to protect um, and the bit of terrain this, is, this was something I got really annoyed about right at the end um, because uh, we, we realised belatedly that um, I, I'd broken two or three turns ago and we could have been rolling for, for broken um, uh, to end the game because we thought it was, I, I don't know, we just didn't think about it, I think. Um, and I'd had a guy on my terrain piece for three turns or something like that. And then in the last, uh, the last turn, I'd, the, the guy had died and I'd moved him off. Or I don't know whether it was my fault, I'd forgotten. But anyway, and so I'd lost the terrain piece in the last turn, um, which was frustrating. But you were trying to kill... I was trying to kill Broger. Yeah, so, so Broger was, was survived, which is great, so that, that's a good swing for me. Um, and then, while all this was happening in the centre, there's this big move over at one point. I sent my drummer off to one of the right-hand side flanks as a bit of a decoy move, and you followed him up with a Rivendell Knight. Um, did, did you fall for it? Did you think that I was going for that, that bit of terrain on the left? Uh, yeah, I did, and my, my plan was... Because I knew that you were going to be running around, even if it was yours, which, you know, even if it was yours, my plan was just to 
shoot off anyway because yeah. I thought all I'm going to be doing is running around this terrain can't shoot him can't get him it's just going to be a waste of my time so I was just going to shoot off at, at the end um, but probably a bit, a bit belated, uh, belated because yeah. you, it was yeah. one I think we'd had three turns of broken we yeah. should have uh, rolled but of course three turns statistically it's going to end by the third yeah. isn't it so I think, well, I think it ended out quite well in the end didn't it because you, you had the terrain piece when it could have ended yeah. I was unbroken when it could have ended so yeah. I think, it, I think yeah. it's quite fair yeah that's true end. it balanced it out in the end so um, in the end after all of that uh, Dragon Emperor dead uh, spills his black dragons out of the middle. And we weren't sure about um, whether they that whether you can hit them after they've fallen out of the carriage, but we just said you can hit them because why not? Uh, at this point, it didn't really matter. So, uh, so you killed a couple of them. But so there's not a lot of red on the field except the Dragon uh, Knight, the Brawgear, and maybe eight or nine guys. Elendil's still fine. Erastor's sort of fated, but still fine. Nobody has any objectives, so we've just kind of gone, uh, what we've done, we've just broken you. As you say, I pipped you to the last turn and uh, getting you a couple of kills in the last turn. So it was a one-all draw after uh, an hour and a half, nearly two hours of game. Uh, so, I mean, James, I, it was a really hard game. I was, I was constantly thinking, and I, it really hurt my brain on this one, because the, the, the threat range of Ellendale is so far. And, like, it, he's not one of those guys you think, well, he's got a free heroic comeback. But he yeah. might whiff it. Like he will kill if oh, he yeah. if he survives. Yeah. Although there's actually, one there's yeah. one he whiffed, wasn't there? Well, which was ridiculous, though. That was that was. I think he had eight rolls to get a five to or a four. four to get a four. Yeah, yeah, that was insane, really. But um, <laughs> yeah. so that might have helped it help me once. But either way, uh, he was very threatening, and and he took out the dragon emperor oh, yeah. in the end, and and. Maybe two more turns, um, he'd be he'd be all over Brawl Gear, but you know, uh, yeah, as it is, that's how it is. Yeah, and uh, back to what you're saying about the the base, and you know, in most of your games, you say it's a bit of a negative, you can't get him in and stuff. Here, it meant that I couldn't get Elendil right round and into the Dragonite or Brawl Gear because he has to go all the way around the base. Mm. You've got people in between; it's just impossible to get him around there. Even Elendil couldn't couldn't get through all of that, yeah. and he couldn't see him half the time, even if he could. Because well, that, the, that was the, the thing, yeah, because because the, the massive size of the uh, uh, palanquin, I could I could reliably go well. Brawl Gear is just hiding behind the palanquin, yeah. so so I know that you can't even if you could get get to him, which I don't think you could because of controls and things. No. You just weren't going to uh, get him. So there's handy handy usage of the Emperor is just a block line of sight yeah. uh, from the opponents. And so either way, uh, James, a cracking game, really difficult. Uh, yeah. Say my brain really hurts. Uh, it's fun, uh, great, uh, great fun. And um, so, yeah, cracking work. Yeah. One all draw. One <laughs> I feel, like, I, I feel like actually it's a little bit undeserved because you, you you did really well to to uh, to kill the emperor and to get all that stuff. But uh, yeah, maybe just you forgot about your objective. And, well, and there was the what we said before. Uh, obviously, you can't see the ball, but there's. Uh, my tactic was just to sit back a bit and shoot, yeah. but then stupidly I picked an objective right at the other side of the field instead yeah. of one that's right in the middle, yeah. which was absolutely bonkers from my part. But yeah, uh, there was a point, period of time where I just thought, well, I don't think you're going to get your objective at all. Yeah, I just, yeah. So I kind of I kind of gave up the idea of distracting from it, and I knew if uh, I've got my drummer that's charging, either charge him this turn or I, if, if you got the, the move first and went to touch your terrain piece, I could touch it as well, and then you wouldn't get the uh, uh, you wouldn't get the points for it. So uh, either way, uh, James, cracking game. Um, best of luck with the next one. Yeah. We're, we're both probably going to be drawn against each other and yeah. we'll have to do a re-roll or something but either way great game enjoyed no, it thank you you too game number six and we're playing breakthrough and there's some exciting tallying going on next to us so uh, just be aware of big cheers potential uh, playing against Christian in this game uh, playing breakthrough and um, first of all before we get into sort of the uh, the twos and throws of the game uh, Christian tell me what you're playing what's your army summarize it in a few short words so playing Angmar with Witch King 3123 uh, Captain Onwag with two units of barrel weights. 
Yeah, so you've got the you've got the two barrel arches, you've got the two spectres as well, you've got the, the hitting barrel with the wags as well, uh, and of course the dreaded Witch King. A little lower on Will, but I suppose that's because of the, the points value, but you still managed to get quite a lot of guys in there. How, how many models roughly was it? Uh, so I had 36, so I was low on might, so with the five might total there. Um, I had uh, 22 Will, so could definitely do loads of spells, but um, managed to just bounce off you at... Um, on, the, on those first cr critical turns. Yeah, so so how it developed, because breakthrough is one way you've got to break, literally break through. The objective on the opponent's camp is worth more to you, uh, than it, and, and the one closest to your side is worth less, and there's two on the centre line, but not in the middle. Um, and we kind of deployed, you deployed pretty close to the centre at the start, uh, and I just sort of followed suit. So we, we kind of had a pretty much a pitch battle, Dragon Emperor, my phalanx, and your orcs all going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Um, and but in, essentially in the first turn, uh, we both called. Uh, I think no, you just you just went straight into me, didn't you? First turn, charged straight into my front line of uh, my phalanx, uh, and then jumped over with the witch king, and did a load of magic. Just just walk us through what that because that was essential the, the first turn, wasn't it? Yeah. So basically, uh, what I needed was for me to get the paralyze on the witch king uh, on your uh, emperor first. So if I managed to get the paralyze, then I knew that I could go for a a more gung ho approach to it. Basically. Uh, a more brutal approach uh, that I wouldn't have taken if the Emperor wasn't paralyzed. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, so I dumped all five will into a paralyze, which I managed to get off. Uh, so I sent the Witch King in um, after Brogir. I uh, expected the Emperor to be uh, paralyzed for more than that turn. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah it was a very, I, strong, very strong start. Yeah. Very, yeah, it was like it was a bloodbath. It was, we knew from the start it was going to be a go hard, go home kind of turn. Um, and the, the Emperor, I only spent the, the, the one will and the, the resistance to magic on the paralyzed. And my thought there was I can might it up if I really need to. Um, but. I've got a lot of pikes surrounding me, so I should be able to get the the six next turn. Um, but as it as it turned out, your your witch king jumping over the line after all that really threw me off. I was not expecting that even slightly because I've got so many fight, so many fight five guys. The the dragon emperor's buffs are passive, so I don't need to worry about um, them not existing. So I was thinking, well, it'd be fine. I'll, I'll just I'll just bat, uh, I'll, I'll just surround my witch uh, my uh, palanquin with dudes, and then hopefully I'll get the six uh, to resurrect him. And you really do a spanner in the work by jumping the Witch King over. I, I thought that was a bold, bold move, and and it didn't quite pay off. What happened? Uh, so yeah, the Witch King absolutely fluffed his uh, his um, his dual roll. Um, he managed to uh, stay alive though with uh, all his fate lost and all his might lost. Mm. So um, I had to use all my might and all my fate to keep my Witch King alive. Um, by that point, it was. Um, uh, damage control by yeah. that point. Yeah, I think I think you made, made you had one point of might left, but you did a heroic combat in the next uh, turn to yeah. get yourself out of dodge, didn't you? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but either way, yeah, that, the the fight five on on my guys just meant that I I, I thought well I, I'll take the roll off. I just need to get the six, but you didn't even get the six, did you? And no. I, I, and it was way off the six. It was a one or two or something like that. That that, that was a theme throughout the game. <laughs> it, it really was. I, my banner rerolls were on point, and and at the, at, even at the end, you said, "How big is that banner? What twelve inches? Are you insane?" Yeah. So it. it it's crazy the the buffs and I think it really does come down to the fact that the Emperor survived the first turn because yeah. the first turn uh, you had eight 
uh, so four guys on the front and four spears. Yeah. So eight shots, he's trapped. So it d doubling up to 16 shots to kill the uh, Dragon Emperor. And he just scraped by on that first turn. I think I had, uh, I'd, I'd lost a wound and all of my fate was gone. So I caused four wounds on that initial. Yeah. So 16 rolls at getting a, uh, six, to get sixes on him. And I got four, so yeah. that was a, well, straight away above average. Yeah. So, which which, which was great. Um, passing every single one of your fate rolls, uh, minus the one that, that say, went, one that slipped yeah, through. One, one that slipped through, but uh, yeah, that was pretty good for me. I was expecting to spend a bit more might there, to be fair. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, he he after that. There's two guys, so it's just him and uh, the pike that I'd left in, in base contact with him at the back. Um, and I, roll, I managed to roll a six on, on one of the dice to get him back up uh, and raring to go. So, and I think that, that, was, that was the move. Because like, by that point, you'd spent uh, another two uh, or three will to try and um, transfix the Dragon Knight, and you'd failed in the first turn. So you only had two will left uh, on him, and he failed to paralyze him again. So we tried to paralyze uh, in the, uh, the next one, and, and you failed to paralyze. So I think, and by that point, you'd ran out of will, pretty much. And the Witch King was looking a bit fragile, because he black darted the Dragon Knight to death. Um, so he was on maybe six or so will. And from there, I, I knew I had, had it, really, in the, in, in the bank. Because once the Witch King's down to six will, he's either uh, slowly draining of himself a will, yeah. or he's going to pop at some point. So when, when, when the Witch King gets down to six will, and he's on a fell beast, you've got to start thinking, am I going to be placing him on an objective and like stealing something? Or am I going to use him as an absolute battering ram, zero magic, and then just... Uh, because he'll only use the, lose the one will, even if he does multiple combats, say like a barge or something. In this game, I couldn't get the position for a barge, mm. just because of the sheer numbers both of us were running. Mm. But um, and also we were quite we were quite trapped in this small bit of terrain behind a wall as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I couldn't really get a hurl off as well, uh, just again due to the position and um, both of us pinning each other in between the terrains. Mm. But uh, yeah, um, in the end of the day, like a really great game. Yeah, like, on both sides, like. Um, very swingy in the first couple of turns. Yeah, I, I was really, really worried after the Dragon Emperor uh, took all those wounds, and I was thinking, oh, well, this this paralyzed roll is a make or break, and and it made it basically. And after that, I, I felt a lot more confident. And and because you had so many numbers, um, that I I knew it was going to be a while before before the end the game ended on quarter. So I could start sending a couple of guys off to each objective, and eventually it ended up being I just claimed the last uh, the the main objective uh, by killing an orc. The one that you sent behind. I was I was expecting him to run away, to be honest. But um, either way, he, he he decided to run into my his, sword instead. He, nah, he did his job standing still. But yeah. I, I wanted to uh, meet you at the three-inch mark. Yeah. But uh, I um, it was an oversight on my part. I wanted to stand at the three-inch mark right. so I could just shield them but back you up. Yeah. I think you kind of you you were behind yeah. him initially and then moved. To, yeah. yeah. Either way, uh, Christian, it was a it was a cracking game and. I, I've, I've had this thing, a long-running um, saga of losing against Angmar with my Eastling. So uh, I'm sorry to be the, the, the one to deliver the, the win against them for you, but I'm, I'm glad to have done it. And I don't know whether it was the Dragon Emperor. Maybe the Fight Five really helped. It certainly helped against the Witch King. Um, but I, I, The Dragon Emperor yeah, was MVP in this he, he game. He was MVP. It's, it's just all the banner buffs, all the, the yeah. uh, fight value buffs. And, and, and just I, I also think, I, I, we said this after the, uh, the game, I wondered whether maybe dumping all of your will um, in one go to try and paralyze him was the right right method and 
because I, 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 I only spent one will in, in resistance, so I wondered whether maybe so, I was going to cop a few more. But So the idea behind that is, although it is a 4 plus for the Paralyze, uh, just because it's a 4 plus for you and you've got the uh, resistant helm, so you're getting a free free um, resist basic resist dice no matter how much I'm putting in there. Yeah. So I need to make that dice as difficult as possible for you. So even though it's a four plus to pass, it's still going to be like if I get a four, it's going to be a four plus to deny. You know. Yeah. So uh, I needed that six. So that's why I had to dump so many into. Yeah. And, and to be fair, on the other the other Barrow White, he he rolled four, five dice and didn't get a four plus once. So you know, but in two separate rolls to be fair. But uh, either way. A cracking game, Christian, and you know I, I, I can see you've got you've got a killer army, and I know you you're planning. I've seen you've showed me pictures of your own Dragon Emperor. So has this convinced you? Are you, are you definitely going to build your Dragon Emperor and, uh, and no, build bring Easton yeah. next time? Just on models uh, looks uh, alone, there like there will be a golden teal Easterling <laughs> force led by the Dragon Emperor. Well, uh, we soon <laughs> we'll look out for it well Christian thanks very much for the game cheers yeah cheers the final round of the Grand Prix here uh, we're running out of fuel the tyres are burnt out but we're right on the end of the final table and uh, playing on the top table which uh, or certain for our pod um, which surprised me a little bit uh, so in pod 2 top table playing against guess who it's Nathan Talbot he's back uh, he's a, a regular on the podcast and a, a patron supporter um, Nathan first of all did you expect to get to the top of pod 2 no, <laughs> not in the slightest. Um, no, it was. I, I didn't expect to even be in pod two um, at, at the start of the weekend, um, and it just—that's how it's worked out. Just how it's ended up. But uh, just reveal all with your army because um, you've got an interesting counter to to my army list. Mm-hmm. So it's Shagrat leading uh, a bunch of orcs, uh, some random orcs, and black Numenorians, a taskmaster for a bit of variety, Shelob, and the the big key weapon being the catapult with. Uh, Severed heads, just in case I need it. Yeah. So the troll, troll covered catapults. You've got the rerolls. You've got the potential to kill uh, the palanquin and the dragon emperor and knock it all off in one go, which is uh, a fearsome, fearsome uh, thought when I was uh, looking across the table. So uh, we're playing an unusual one. It's retrieval. Uh, this is that one in the board where it divides the the board over in a diagonal, and there's a sort of six inch dead zone in the middle, and then there's re- relics on each side. So it's a bit like capture the flag. And um, and so I'm I'm basically I'm deployed on the centre line, ready to drum my way into the distance, and you deployed your catapult right at the back. And then it's basically just went from there, marching into it. How, how did it fare in the first few turns? And talk about Shelob as well. <laughs> <laughs> so the catapult, um, first turn, uh, missed. Did it miss? I think it missed. Second turn, it got... It, uh, no, it killed uh, an acolyte. Oh, it did, yeah. yeah, yeah. Scattered onto an acolyte, killed an acolyte. So that was, you can fare fine. Okay, it's paid for its seven heads. Just a good start. Turn two, uh, rolled hit for the Dragon Emperor. Um, hit it, rolled the five on the scatter, so spent the one point of might on, this, on the crew to, for the direct hit, and then uh, watched your face drop as the uh, palanquin exploded. Yeah, so uh, so the, 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 that we, we sort of had a discussion about this. So I, I find it strange. It's still weird. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. But uh, the essentially because the palanquin is a mount, um, you can insta kill the mount, so you can't drop any of the. Uh, black dragons off and um, you know they, it's all sort of agreed at the end but because it, it's a mount because it's not actually six people until it's dismounted so until then you kill you can kill six guys with one shot which is interesting um, but anyway so you killed those six guys with the one shot and then the dragon emperor I think you took what two or maybe one or two fate I can't remember I, uh, I think two fate, I think. yeah two fate off, uh, off the dragon emperor to, to make sure he's there but, but having said that he drops out he's still a fight six guy he's still got an elven made weapon he's still 
an absolute beast and he still had all his might so um, that was crucial but still big big buffs all down the drain all the fight five especially against your Numenorians I was worried and also because I'd left six guys or maybe more I think it was about eight uh, at the back of the field uh, to to counter the the advance of Shelob, which I'd asked you to talk about, but you didn't. Uh, so, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, so he Shelob comes around the edges and is threatening the relic. So I, I was aware that I was going to have to hold on to the relic and defend against Shelob throughout the game. And um, it kind of went from there. Once I'd landed into your corner where the, the catapult was and was kind of within the the twelve inch bubble that it can shoot, it kind of was my game. Yeah, I think so. I think um, Shelob went off and did a thing. Um, I had a few, quite a few turns of no priority, which was problematic for Shelob getting away. I did, ex I expected this uh, my corner to sort of crumble, because um, and, and, and that would give it, get the break. So it, my, my plan was hopefully to get Shelob to get the relic and pull her off the table, which gives the seven points. Mm -hmm. So then it doesn't matter if I break if the game ends before you can get the relic off your off your end. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it just I think it was maybe one turn of combat where the dice sort of abandoned me a little bit and then after that then Shagrat was a bit tied up and uh, and then the numbers started to swing the wrong way and uh, yeah, fight, fight, fight four even um, against the Maranans was was painful. Yeah, I think that you're, you're dead on the money there. The, the crucial thing was Shagrat didn't get into the fight until maybe the second turn of combat over here because uh, I, I, I got the, the move off or, or I don't maybe you didn't even call a move in the first turn so I kind of plumped into you um, I was fighting your Numenorian front line but that, that was okay because I had the uh, Brawgears um, Fury uh, and then I just killed quite a few Numenorians in the first turn I think it was probably three or four Numenorians early on which was whittling away at your fight four and then of course because you've got quite a small army I don't exactly know how many models you've got how many have you got? Uh, 25 yeah 25 yeah. so you've got the Catapult and you've got the Shagrat and you've got Shelob so you're kind of spending a lot of your points on there and, and because of the numbers I think I, I had the big advantage by that point I was probably uh, about 30 or so models against your 20 or something like that if, if not less and of course three are behind and the crew so, so your front line just wasn't going to handle it um, and then I think Sh Shagrat got in a bit late to the combat but he did his work I mean he probably killed five six guys but by that point, I'd, I'd killed uh, Dragon Knight. I'd got into the Taskmaster and killed him. Uh, the Emperor was chopping through stuff, and just the line was holding up. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you're right. Shagrat yeah, was a bit slow getting in. I think I deployed him behind without considering your lack of shooting, mm. um, just through habit. I think the game before this, I was playing Corsairs, and stuff getting shot to bits is really, really scary. Mm. Um, so that, that that obviously held him back. I should I should probably have called a heroic move at that time when you when you were at that charge range. And after that, it was I, I, I needed to get to a hero to re replenish his might. But then I think you struck up when I called a heroic combat, yeah. and I wasn't taking that risk. Um, and yeah, and then he got bogged down in East, killing Eastlings. So yeah, yeah, and and, and I think the, the you're right. The priority, uh, the order of priority, really went against you because a I'd killed your Taskmaster, so I'd taken him with the might there. And Shagrat, you were kind of reluctant, perhaps, to call uh, moves with him, or you certainly were initially. Um, so by the, and by the end, you I think I don't know whether you uh, lost all your might in the end anyway, but I, it just meant that I, I had chose all the combats over here uh, in this corner in your deployment zone, and also it meant that I could tie down Shelob. Three, it was three or four turns in a row. It was, it was an un unfair number of priorities. And had, had that changed, you would definitely have gotten to your own half um, and probably off the board, which would probably bring it to a draw, I think, um, in the end. Because I've got seven, and you'd... Oh, no, you'd have, you'd have had the win because you'd have... Um, You'd have broken me. Oh no, you didn't break you, me. No, the, so yeah, it would have been a, narrow, a very narrow. I think. Yeah. Uh, so I, if I, I had, was it seven, seven, four, seven, three. The game. Yeah. So it would have been seven. 
Maybe, uh, yeah, oh, no, I think it was seven all. I think yeah, it was seven all because the three points you've got are four holding the objective yeah. in your, in my half. Yeah, so it would be a seven all draw if you'd have won those parties all in a row, I, and I, that would have also helped you down here. I did score a wound off Shagrat in the last turn as well, so that that just bumped a, uh, bumped up my final score. But a win, uh, which means I am in the strange circumstance of winning my pod. Uh, which means I win something, and crucially, um, I also get um, a positive win, lo- win ratio, I believe. Excitement. But I, I watch over at table number one where Jasmine is playing. Uh, I don't know who the, who the back of the head is, but we shall find out who the winner of the tournament overall is in a few seconds' time. So just before we uh, hear, about, hear from the winner of the tournament, uh, let's speak to veteran podcaster uh, Will Champion. He's appeared many, many in an event, uh, either as winner or tournament organiser. And of course, you're organising the Grand Prix here today. Um, just give us a sense of what, what is this all about? What is this all about? Yeah. That is a great question. Um, and, and I mean the tournament, not just life. You know, <laughs> I mean, right, We could go on about life later. Yeah. Um, essentially... I like big events and I like competitive events. Um, there's a few people that have run competitive events on a large scale, um, and some better, some worse. And I wanted to give it a go, essentially. Um, Seventh City has got a really good reputation for running good events. Um, I've got my head screwed on, Barney and Greg have got their head screwed on, and we just thought that we'd like to go bigger and better. One thing that hasn't been done before um, in the world of SPG, not to any real scale, um, is like a financial incentive to winning. Um, it's very popular in other game systems, and where I think we've always been a little bit too gentlemanly to do it in SBG. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I have actually had less um, arguments and rules queries over the course of this weekend than I have any GBHL 100-pointer that I've run, which is just a really interesting takeaway because I was expecting to be quite busy. Um, and so we, we just wanted to... This is a proof of concept, essentially, and next year we'll be looking at an external venue. You know, we're talking hundreds of tickets would be the, the aim. Hopefully we can bring that to fruition. Um, to just do a big, properly competitive event that brings all sorts of people in. Yeah, so tell me about the structure, because there's, there's, um, there's pods that... I, I've been in pod two uh, over the day two. Uh, how, does it, how does it all develop? Because I'll, I'll have tried to explain this earlier on in the podcast, but I just won't have got any, done it any justice. Sure. Um, so the event essentially rips off Magic the Gathering in the way that it works um, and so everybody plays a normal Swiss event day one which would work exactly like any other event they've been to um, and then depending on the number of attendees so for the example of this event it was a top eight cut so at the end of day one after four games the top eight players will go through into the top eight cut and then we podded everybody else into pods of eight um, and gave them essentially side pots of things to win um, so the second pod were uh, first and second were um, tickets to the next GP um, and some prize money for the winner of pod two. Um, woo, 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 woo. I wonder who <laughs> I wonder who won that. Um, and then pod three and pod four was a little bit less money or a ticket. And then pod five is like the king of the spoons. So they they you know they got a little sort of token gesture. Um, the top eight. Um, we're playing for significantly bigger prizes. Um, so first place walks away with a ticket to the next event in £200. Um, you know, it's a real chunk of money. It's, it's cool. Um, uh, second place will take away um, an amount. And it, basically the top four all get a ticket. They all get invited back. And then they get a denomination of awesome prize money. Um, so what we liked about that aim is it's a real competitive event and everybody's working hard on day one to get into the top cut but even those that don't they still have an opportunity to play for something that's actually within reach um, because if day two just becomes a Swiss event minus the top eight it's still putting a lot of people out of reach of walking away mm. with something whereas in this even the, the king of the spoons is going to walk away with sort of £15 store credit it's more than they'd normally get 
Absolutely fantastic, and, and you know, I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of this pod system where you can win some if you get your uh, your second pod win. And in terms of the the sort of uh, the sort of armies that we've seen, um, the. The, the, basically, the meta has completely switched since the last time I, I played a tournament here, uh, the last time I played a tournament, because, of course, we've had the Defence of the North. And, and I think with the previous uh, book, uh, Ring, I think it was the... No, it was the Shadow of the Necromancer or whatever. Basically, nothing changed. Here, we've seen some crazy different um, uh, armies here. What, what, what's changed? Easterlings are back, baby. Well, they sure are. Um, and the thing is, they're not even that good. Um, what, what they've forced to happen is the fact that Evil now has a tangible Fight 5 army. Um, which means we've seen a lot more elves um, to sort of combat that and get one above. I think over the lists this weekend there was like 120 elf models, there was like 24 Kingsguard, which is like absolutely unheard of. Mm. Um, so it's definitely pivoted back into the fear of something, which is how metas always work, because there, there was only a handful of Easterling players here. So a lot I think it was only two of us, wasn't it? Maybe, maybe it was only two. A lot of people have pivoted in to avoid something which wasn't a problem in the first place. And what is interesting, though, for meta-watchers and sceptics everywhere, is um, of the top eight, there was five legendary legions. Of the top four, there was four le- legendary legions. Um, and in the top two now playing their game, is two legendary legions. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the, the championship round and the third-place playoff, uh, we've got on table one, uh, Jasmine with the Lothlorien Assault um, versus Defenders of Helm's Deep. And then table two was Aaron Pullen with the... Assault on Helm's Deep. Assault on Helm's Deep, that's the Badger, and Ed with his Black Riders. Mm. Um, two lists which... Well, three lists which have some people have said are oppressively strong, but certainly very, very good. And then a, a happy-go-lucky guy with Defenders of Helm's Deep, which is, <laughs> which is awesome to see. I mean, Defenders of Helm's Deep is no, it's no slouch, is it? But it is surprising to see it at, at no, the top tables. Absolutely. I mean, it, I really like it. It's the list that I managed to squeak the GBHL League win back in 2019. It's so long ago. Mm. Um, it's definitely got legs, but compared to the other three, which people sort of actively talk about, it's really nice to see another one. Mm. But it's also four Legendary Legions on the top four. Um, this is a competitive event. Uh, what we would, the dream is for this to be the most competitive event available, and so for people to come to that with four legendary legions is interesting. Yeah, well, it is fascinating. We, we won't know the exact result of, of the game over there, which I will reveal in a few seconds' time. But but generally, um, if if you had a six hundred point event, and you know, being as you mentioned, GBHL winner, a, a top table player, what sort of thing would you be playing right now? Is is it the Easterlings, or is it some combination of Easterlings with the Dragon Emperor and something else? Because that's kind of what I'm excited by. If, if I was still a competitive player, because I'm definitely a has-been now, um, <laughs> I, I'd either be rocking like an Easterling Mordor combo, um, because I think the Dragon Emperor is insane, mm. um, or I'd, if I was coming with money on the line wanting to really make something of it, I'd just be um, dusting off the Hunter Orcs again. I, I still think that them for 600 points are, are event winners. Yeah. And that's all, the, all three of the big Hunter Orc heroes? No, the baby Hunter Orc yeah, heroes. Sorry, yeah, not, 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 not uh, Bulk. Yeah, the, the little ones, the, the three Hunters, as they're affectionately titled. Um, Goblin Mercy, all, all the little things which you need to win games, essentially. Amazing. Well, thanks very much for arranging a uh, cracking event and giving away cash prizes because um, I'm a big fan of that. We'll find out in a second how the game and Table 1 is faring. Um, the best army narrowly beating Mr. Parkhill's Easterlings. Oh. is Tom Turtle. Hey. Wow. <laughs> I believe it's the... Uh, but to come away with most sporting, getting four votes out of seven games, which is pretty excellent, is Curtis. Very well done. Thank you very much.
up into pod two. Two absolute tyrants of the tabletop uh, <laughs> battling it out on the top table was uh, it was Harry and Nathan. Uh, at one point, I saw um, Shelob very near a flag to be captured and some terrified-looking Easterlings, and then a cave troll had run away, and it was it was all snowballing horrendously. Don't so, forget the palanquin and the catapult. And, and the palanquin got exploded, but the dragon emperor didn't need it. It was wild. Um, <laughs> taking second place, um, but winning himself a ticket to next year to do a little bit better, is Nathan. <laughs> Which means taking some sweet, sweet money and a shiny thing to take home was Harry Parker. Woo! <laughs> Woo so then, championship round. Taking the victory, a whopping £200 credit, Ooh. and a ticket to next year, it's Jasmine Tetley! Hey. So we've just heard the round of applause for Jasmine Tetley, the winner of the 7th City Grand Prix for 2022. How do you feel? It's great, and it's nice to be here alongside the winner of Pod 2 as well. It feels very celebratory. I, I feel like I, I, I'm doing quite well to get into the chaser pod and then get lucky in the last round. But we're here because you've, you've got, uh, you've won what Will wants to be one of the more competitive uh, events in the calendar. Um, I know you, you, you dropped a game yesterday against the uh, Goblin Town, but how have you fared in the rest of it? Uh, so I found out that Goblin Town is my one really, really bad matchup, and originally the draw meant that I was supposed to play Goblin Town first game today. Ooh which I don't think I would have won that, but somebody dropped out, which meant that it all got changed, and then Goblin Town lost in the end as well against somebody else, so that kind of paved the way to a better victory. Um, so, yeah, so the army does stand up well against most armies. So that's really interesting. So so um, what, what is it that's, that's so powerful about it? I mean, I took, we, we played the game yesterday and you beat me, So it, I, and I know that there were lots of tricks that, that, that sort of just made it so much more powerful, but what is it exactly is the combination that you think works? So firstly, the fact that you have the cave dweller means that you force people to come to you. So you get to fight where you want to to start with, which is always a big win. Um, some people do tend to think the goblin bows can be more scary than they are. Mm. They can be to things like heroes' horses and shooting into combats. And at certain defences as well. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, no, because you get the plus one. Yeah, so yeah. it's pretty good. So it's more of a case of if you've got more of a hordy army with a lot of infantry, then you probably don't really care about it. But otherwise, yeah, it can be annoying and it's something you ought to watch. Um, yeah, I, I, and, and I suppose, yeah, so, so the, the tricks that we're, we're working on. So oh, you've got yeah. the, the, that's the main, main thing, the, the, the night fighting and you having Cave Dweller and the extra bows. Yeah, so then once you've got them in, the, the tricks in the list are the spiders and the bats and the marauders. Mm. So it's basically your main play is your spiders do your damage and the combination of either enraging them, shroud shadowing them, channeling either of those two spells as well is what allows you to just delete heroes. So and the bats. And the bats, but the bats sort of aren't even needed because if you look at the last one, um, Theoden was on the front line. There was nowhere I could get a bat and something else into him. So instead, I channeled the Shroud Shadows for the spider and then enraged that spider. And just those two alone meant that I didn't even need a bat because Theoden's down at half fight value. I'm up at fight six and I could still delete him anyway. Yeah. So yes, the bats are very good, but it's really all the power is in the spiders. Mm. That's that's really interesting, and um, but the because I, I I've heard some people talk about this list and kind of trying to do the maths and trying to balance the the numbers of each different thing. Is it is it purely good at this number at this points level? Do you think six hundred points, or does it scale? 
Uh, it'll scale. I think it'll always be better at the lower end of points. 600 is particularly good because I could take the three heroes that I wanted and have three relatively full warbands plus enough of each creature as well. So actually at 600, I think it worked really, really well. Yeah, you, what was it? Three or four spiders, two bats? Yeah, three spiders, two bats, two marauders. And and then the three, so it's Ashrak, uh, Musga or whatever and is it? And, and Druzag, yeah. yeah. So you've got, all, you've got all the stuff you need and I guess you've got decent numbers as well though. Uh, yeah, so the numbers aren't as high as what people are expecting because it's 40. Um, so that is a case of if you do start to lose numbers before you can kill the stuff you need to, then you are obviously going to struggle and obviously you need the plus one uh, if you have goblins and orcs in the same fight. So, But I do think that it's better to have those lower numbers and make sure you have those things that you need because that's all your list really gets. How would you think you'd fare against armies like, uh, I don't know, uh, the, the Corsairs with lots of throwing weapons or, or you, the, the Rohan Legion that you just played against with lots of throwing weapons? Because their, their strength and shooting is, is up close, so they still get the plus one. Um, they don't get the plus one against my models with the Cave Dweller special rule. Mm, yeah. So they do get it against the Orcs. And for some reason, which probably needs changing, bats and spiders, because bats live in caves but don't get Cave Dweller. Yep. Seems a bit stupid to me, yeah. uh, but at the same time, you can use that to your own advantage because you can shoot into combat, and if you need to stop a hero heroic combat in, you can put an orc into that, and then you get the plus one against your orc as well, yeah. so, which is a really nice, another neat trick. Yeah, okay, so that, that that's really nice. So do you think, I mean, because we've heard, heard um, lots of people talking about the Dragon Emperor, for, exa uh, for example, as being quite strong and all, all that sort of stuff. Do you think this is the winner out of the list? I mean, you've clearly brought it, so I guess so. But do you think this is the, the winning legion at the moment? Or, or does it have more weaknesses than, than you're letting on? It's a very strong legion in very good hands. Um, Boastful there. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you, it's true. I mean, you, you're, a, you're a tournament other, winner, aren't you? Other people could use the list as well. Um, but what I'm saying is if you look to the mid-tables, people wouldn't think of this list as overrated because they wouldn't be able to maximise the play potential of it. But... Yeah, another player could take it and do very well with it if they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Is it overpowered? I'm not sure. It kind of needs more games to see how people handle against it. Um, I beat the Black Riders, which was good. Again, they had bad magic and it's snowball -y, so maybe on a different day it's different. So I think more games to determine what other bad matchups I would potentially have. Well, Jasmine, well done on another tournament win. Uh, this, this means you're at the top of the tables. Often, where, where, where are you next heading? So where should our listeners avoid to go to? <laughs> um, well, I'm kind of semi-retired now, so I'm not competing in the league and I've got a lot of other hobbies, so I don't know. It's difficult to plan really far in advance, but I'll be at other tournaments for sure. Yeah, look out for it. Uh, there you go. Well done to Jasmine, though. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast once more. Thank you. So there it is. Uh, another tournament done and another podcast finished. And what a moment. What a moment. I have officially achieved my long-running objective of winning more games that I've lost. So uh, I'm very excited. So I've got uh, two losses on day one, um, two wins, which was fine, and then two wins and a draw today i really can't believe it um a draw against james and his uh, last alliance force uh, which to be honest i thought i was going to absolutely get uh, crushed by at one point but uh, just managed to squeak the draw at the end uh, and then christian's um, angmar the dreaded angmar taking a battering really uh, against my dragon emperor and the the dudes was just just i think 
partially down, I think, to uh, a couple of maybe misplays by Christian and lucky rolls. Well, more than a couple of lucky rolls for me. And also against Nathan at the end, which I think was, to be fair, down to luck. Um, because she, if Shelob had won uh, a couple of priorities in a row, Shelob had been out of there and it would have been either a draw or maybe even a loss to me. So um, I, I think I can hold my head held pry. I've achieved the goal. Am I satisfied with my performance over the weekend? No. Uh, I think the list can be improved. I think my uh, quality of gaming can be improved. So therefore, there's more to come. Uh, Next time we'll be at um, Tolkon, or is it Tolk Off? We'll find out more in the next episode of the podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Boorum. Boorum.